Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. I think it's really cool. We're going to get to really watch all three of these guys. And look, we spent a lot of time with each one of them. And they're all unique in their own ways. They all have strengths in their own ways. They're all really good dudes. Like visiting with them. Like really building relationships with them. That, that's a cool thing. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun for all of us to watch. And anytime you add talent around a quarterback, uh, it makes him better. You know, and Downs is a crafty route runner in the slot. Uh, had a lot of production in North Carolina. Um, he just has a really good natural feel. I mean, this guy's a football player. You know, he can find the dead spots in zone coverage. Uh, just has a knack for getting open. So really excited about him. And then adding Mallory to the fold. I mean, Chris just hit on it. The speed uh, that he brings, you know, he catches some shallow routes, some underneath routes, some seam balls. You can just see the explosiveness when he catches that ball and, and takes off and runs. Happy Monday to you here on The Fan Midday Show, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Draft is behind us for your Indianapolis Colts. And I got to say, maybe it is just the overall optimism of finally having an exciting quarterback within the locker room for your Indianapolis Colts. Maybe it's the fact that, as you would expect, there was a trade or two made by Chris Ballard as a standard operating procedure (laughs) with any NFL draft. Or maybe it's because every position of need, at least in those first four rounds, was addressed adequately by your Indianapolis Colts. It's a great day on a Monday here on the Fan Midday Show in my mind. But not only that, it's also a great day because James Boyd, at Romeoville Kid, on Twitter of The Athletic, covers the Colts for that great site. Nice enough to take some time with us. James, great to have you in here. And in terms of looking back at just those first four rounds before we expand big picture for the draft, felt like you needed some premium positions addressed. Chris Bauer did not shy away from getting those done within the early goings over the weekend. No, I thought that the positions he hit were obvious ones. The biggest hole being quarterback. Yeah. I've got the Cliff Notes version. You know, I didn't grow up in Indianapolis or Indiana, but I know that this franchise has been defined by quarterback play, at least since moving here, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. If those guys haven't been at the controls, it hasn't looked good. And now you have Anthony Richardson, who is unlike anything we've ever seen before, who's coming in and he's confident that he can, you know, take that torch and ignite it and do it his own way. But it's very exciting to have him in the building. And then obviously Julius Brantz, the Indy native, Warren Central, talked to his high school coach a few weeks back for a story I did just thinking maybe they pick him and they did. And I look like a genius, but I promise you I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And then you got Josh Downs in, in the third round, wide receiver. The only knock on him is his size. Everything else is off the charts, but he seems like, you know, a, 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 playmaker who kind of changes the dynamic of that room and in the fourth round pick you know the top fourth round pick was Blake Freeland a swing tackle which they needed the offensive line has to be addressed I think Chris Ballard has to address it even more um, now that the draft has passed but we'll get into all of that but I mean the headliner obviously is Anthony Richardson him being um, only 20 years old but looking like you know as he called himself an alien I mean the guy is he looks like an Avenger, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you and I were, were joking, and Eddie Garrison with us as well, before it we went on the air uh, about your interactions with Anthony Richardson <laughs> at the Combine. And, and regardless of 
his camp, him himself, where he views his current body of work for the NFL, whether he starts week one, whether he starts week six, whether he doesn't start until 2024, whatever the pathway is for the Colts, even though based on what they're saying right now, or at least what Jim Irsay is saying right now, <laughs> you always take that with a grain of salt, but you would think that perhaps it will be an inevitable appearance for Anthony Richardson in 2023 at some point. But the idea is, and it was the same thing in my mind with Will Levis, it's a project. It's going to take time. He's very raw, incredibly gifted, but it's one of those project type pieces oh, where don't if say the right, P-word. I'll say it because <laughs> I, 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 I will say it because there's enough of the discussion that we've had in this building. I won't drag you into it. I won't drag you into it, but I'll drag myself into it because there's been enough discussion on it the last feels like six months, even though it's only been eight weeks, mm-hmm. that he has the upside, he has the intangibles to make him fit with what Shane Steichen wants to do. He has, at least in terms of a build, the style of the greater names you've thrown around, like Jalen Hurts, like Cam Newton, something that Shane Steichen wants to try to build around. The accuracy is a legitimate concern. I say all that, I say the P word of project, (laughs) when I wanted the Colts to take him. Because I believe in what Shane Steichen can do, and I believe in what Anthony Richardson can improve on if it is just a matter of mechanics, if it is just fine-tuning a couple things here or there. that's That's a long preamble of looking at the selection in your mind and then how they built around him in the rest of the draft. Any surprises with how the proceedings played out after they made the selection of Anthony Richardson on Thursday night? Not really. I thought that they, you know, got good depth, particularly that cornerback. You know, I know that's not something he's going to be working specifically with. You would like him to stay away from throwing to cornerbacks. <laughs> but um, I thought that was a position in the group that really was depleted after getting, you know, Stephon Gilmore traded to Dallas, not re-signing uh, Brandon Faison, who struggled last season. And now you're going extremely young at the cornerback position. But I thought offensively, you know, it made so much sense to go get a guy like Josh Downs because he seems, at least watching the tape, talking to different um, people who've been around him, or at least reading their quotes about him, you know, hard worker, but he's like a security blanket in the middle of the field, and you need someone who kind of just gives you a, a different flavor, you know, outside of the receivers you have. You have Michael Pippen Jr., who is your number one receiver. You have Alec Pierce, who showed flashes of what he can be, particularly when you throw it up to him. I mean, the guy can go get a ball, but it seems like Josh Downs is going to be that guy that you really, you know, if he comes into his own, can be a third down type of guy someone who you just you know kills you and keeps drives alive and you know you hear the the adage in baseball it's like you know great team score you know we got two outs football teams great ones can keep drives alive on third down he seems like a third down type of guy um and again the only knock on him is that he's five foot eight 171 but Chris Ballard was saying like it's not just looking at his weight and height on paper. It's looking at how it's distributed. He's got a really strong lower body. And I think it's something to be said on the flip side, kind of, you know, that Anthony Richardson is that Josh Downs was prolific at, you know, North Carolina. He caught 20, 22 touchdowns in three seasons. And the first season he played, he, you know, I think he had seven catches and three touchdowns. So, like, you like that ratio a lot, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. But I think that, again, you know, he was one of five receivers in program history to have 2,000-yard seasons. So he's a proven commodity, and I think that that really attracted them to him. Chris Ballard even said, you know, we tried to trade up for about 30 minutes to get this guy. We weren't able to do it. You know, how hard were you trying to trade up? You know, probably were saying, no, 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 it's not that much. But I think that they really, really feel good about what they got, you know, as far as a, another playmaker that fills that hole that Paris Campbell left by leaving the free agency. And then you go out and get an offensive tackle on Blake Freeland, who 
is a big guy, um, long guy, athletic guy. All these guys are athletic, which is something we could talk about more. But I thought that um, the only thing that I was a bit shocked about was they didn't address like the guard position, right guard earlier. Um, that was my one thing. I, Will Fry showed some progress last season. Same with Bernard Ryman. But those two guys, you know, if you're going to bank on Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith coming back and being better, I get it. You paid them a lot of money, and, and you know, maybe they do, you know, feel re- reinvigorated or get some things figured out on that side. I would trust, you know, that those guys, the veterans can kind of get it together. But, I mean, and you, again, you can't, how much money can you pay an offensive line? So right. it just felt like you can get a premium guy at right guard, you know, at that 44, 35 spot before they trade it back. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what Chris Ballard said. That's my only thing is like he said last season, you know, he's going to trust that some of these young guys are going to step up and it like blew up in his face. So again, I'm asking like, you have to have a plan. Are you going out and getting a veteran right guard? You know, Dalton Risner is out there. Do you go and pay him? Again, you already paid a lot of money to the offensive line. Do you pay more? Um, because at the end of the day, as much as Anthony Richardson is um, an athlete and much he can break tackles, he broke 39 last season, fourth in the FBS. I mean, you don't want the guy running for his life like all three quarterbacks were last year. For me, and you mentioned a number of the different prospects and avenues the Colts now have to address post-draft, but for me, going back to Downs for a second, and it felt like whether I was reading The Beast from Dane Brugler, when I, mm-hmm. whether I was reading your scouting report, whether it was Kevin Bowens here locally, whether it was more of the, the national conversations like that of Daniel Jeremiah, a number of wide receivers in the full in-depth scouting report, the, the analysis on them was such, best in the slot. Right, a lot of slot weapons right out of the gate in terms of what these receivers can be. Now, a handful of of size options as well, but for the most part, a lot of undersized receivers with speed mm-hmm. that are either good route runners or able to get separation because of how fast they are. And you look at Downs, a combination of both. You read his report and you watch him on film, great route runner, able to find holes within defenses to a point where if you have a possession guy like Michael Pittman Jr. and you're expecting another leap from Alec Pierce this year, you're not expecting the same leap from Josh Downs. But if he is able to learn Shane Steigen's offense enough to be an impact guy, whether it's within space or whether it's just finding an opportunity as Anthony Richardson is going into his progressions, he's the type of wideout where, based on where they got him and what he can do for your team, paired along with his fellow rookie mate in Anthony Richardson, I think it gives a sense of potency and a sense of opportunity for this Colts offense, even if it is Gardner Minshew under center week one. Yeah, and then to point out, I guess I buried the lead, Reggie Wayne vouched for Josh Downs. His word matters a lot. Sure, sure. You know, you think if he's saying that to Chris Ballard and, and, you know, Lord knows if Jim Irsay hears anything from the greats that played for him, he's going to listen. And so I felt like with Reggie in particular, the thing about him is he was a technician. Very talented, very athletic, but the thing about being a wide receiver sometimes is not really how athletic you are or how fast you are. It's can you get open? And I think that Reggie really appreciated the performance that Josh Downs put you know, on display at the NFL scouting combine here in Indy where he was constantly showing, I have the footwork, I have the, the throttle, I can you know throttle up, throttle down, I can hesitate, I can get open. That's what matters. It doesn't really matter you know, if you got this blazing speed or not or you know great hands or whatever. If you can't get open, I mean, get open. And that's what he does um, at a very high level. And I think that that's something that, again, when Anthony Richardson eventually sees the field, which I would expect to be at some point this season, um, 
he's someone who can give you a bit of a, a deep breath and, and you can kind of trust to get you some some rhythm. And I do, I do think a lot of that is going to be incorporated in Anthony Richardson's game and his development is the rhythm throws, the easier ones, the completion, something to give you some confidence before you just throw him out there and say, hey, run our entire offense and do everything and get every check. It's like play a few passes, get in a rhythm, keep the defense honest, and we'll talk about it more. But I, I even think that, and I asked Shane Steichen this, Richardson's floor is higher than people give him credit for because he can run and he's got a cannon arm he's actually better on like like middle of the field like you know not middle 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 distance and like deep throws sure than shorter like throws so like he's pretty good pretty accurate on deep balls and so again I think that him being able to run having JT back there takes so much pressure off him and Josh Downs is another person who can do that along with Michael Pitton Jr. Alec Pierce, um, and we'll see. I, I'm expecting a big year from from Jelani Woods as well, because you know I'm, I'm just imagining Shane Steichen looking at this dude and going, "This is a big body. He can run. I mean, he showed flashes of it last year. I mean, he probably had one of the best movie moment, you know, type of things happen when you catch, you know, touchdowns from the quarterback you grew up watching. Yeah. And so uh, again, I think I'm, you know, the offense will look a lot different. It'll be very exciting, and. Um, the the biggest thing is obviously Anthony Richardson. And I do think that Gardner Minshew was a great pickup in that not only had he worked with Shane Steichen for two seasons, knows the offense, but he's very self-aware. Like, I don't think he's going to be mad when he has to go to the bench or, or mad that they drafted this guy and he's probably going to be the starter um, at some point this season. And he's the future. Like, he's very self-aware, um, very secure of himself but also not selfish to the point where it's like it would become a thing where we're talking to him and he's thinking, oh, no, this is my ship because he won three games. It doesn't matter how many games Gardner Minshew wins this upcoming season, you know, if he plays, when he plays. What matters is the development of, you know, this guy I'm looking at on my screen right now, <laughs> Anthony Richardson, who is, you know, again, unlike anything we've ever seen before. It is That's not an exaggeration. I mean, to score a perfect 10 out of 10 on the RAS, which is the relative athletic score, um, which dates back to like the 70s, I believe, to get a perfect 10 yeah. is uh, pretty insane. When you look at Anthony Richardson's future, and this is a conversation that's going to be the next big talking point, not just within our market on the radio side, but also your side of things covering the team from the athletic and you know just in general all of our beat writers that cover the Colts is, does he start week one, does he not start week one? And that's not my question for you as much as it is your philosophy when looking at young quarterbacks across time or across more of like the last five or six years. For me, I almost come into it thinking, okay, I want him to sit and I want him to learn for a second, take in the offense, uh, be, be a sponge in that regard, let Minshew kind of steer the ship for the first couple of weeks. doesn't have to be the whole year necessarily, but you know, let him get his bearings and then throw him out there. But then the more I look at, and this has just been the overwhelming conversation or negative point toward Richardson is, ah, the reps, the, the lack of games started, the lack of pass attempts thrown. And, and I don't think that's as big a deal as people make it out to be, but repetition is law in any walk of life. The more you do something, in theory, if you have potential, you're going to get better at it as you learn from mistakes. So now I'm almost to a point, and again, this is just in a couple days' time as I've thought about it more, let him go out there day one, have the growing pains, have the mistakes be made as long as, this is a key one for me, the offensive line to your larger point is yeah. addressed because if he's forced to bail on pockets all the time because he doesn't trust the offensive line and bad habits are formed that way, that to me is worse than anything. So as long as they do what you've outlined, which is have a clear understanding of what this offensive line is going to be next year and they're able to take a leap back to form from where they were two years ago, I'm fine with throwing him out, throwing him out there week one. In your mind, 
with a young quarterback, do you have a preference one way or the other? No, I really don't. I think it depends on the situation. I know we could talk about Aaron Rodgers had to sit and Patrick Mahomes sat, but those teams also had really good quarterbacks in place already. So that's a difference for me. Mm -hmm. Like if the Colts like were a to like Detroit where they had a quarterback, he might not be your future, but he's good enough to get you to the playoffs and win and win some games and give you a chance to make a run possibly. And and, and there's no pressure to really play that guy then it makes sense to for him to kind of come along slower. But I think that the Colts are in a position where, you know, you've tried to plug in and just put a Band-Aid on that position for so long that you have to give your prize rookie a shot. And I also don't think that you can fairly evaluate, you know, what he could be if you just don't play him at all and don't play him enough, really. I think that he has to at least, um, you know, get significant amount of game reps to grow. And I thought that – as much as Jim Irsay was was talking about him being a superhero, and um, I think he said that three times, by the way. I was like, goodness gracious. <laughs> Which was so funny because, you know, uh, two nights before, Chris Ballard saying, hey, he's not Superman. Let's not crown him yet. And Jim Irsay like, he's a superhero. He can do everything. <laughs> um, you know, but I thought that Shane Steichen's comments were the ones that, that rang out the loudest because um, he was saying, you know, you get better by playing. You know, I understand he played 13 games. And this was a Shane Steichen pick. Like, he was the one who was able to convince Jim Irsay, despite the inexperience, despite some of the throws, we are like, man, why isn't this guy – going out here and, and performing better in clean pockets and, and why is this completion percentage like this? He was the one who convinced Jim Mercy to say, hey, I can work with him. I can make him, you know, into a special player. Now, is it going to happen overnight? No, but to your point, I do think that he has to play and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens sooner rather than later. I mean, we'll see how things go throughout rookie minicamp, training camp, but Right now, you know, as I sit here on the first day of May, I wouldn't be like totally shocked if he started week one um, just because he has to get the experience. He has to get the reps. But um, even if it isn't week one, I wouldn't, you know, bet on him sitting and waiting until like week 14 to finally see him. Like, no, I think that this is something where as long as he keeps his head on straight, um, learns the offense and again, the team doesn't have some crazy run where they win 10 games, which will not happen, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that it's going to be smart for, for them to get him on the field as soon as possible to get the reps, to get the experience, and to build confidence within your team. I mean, you, I feel like a lot of these guys are energized, are so excited about this. I mean, you had DeForest Buckner, doesn't even play offense. He tweeted out, well, hey, we just got an absolute dog. And I'm like, <laughs> this is Buck, man. And, and Buck's at a point in his career where he's not trying to go through a rebuild or, or, or wait forever for a guy to become the guy. So, again, I think it's very exciting, and I'm excited to see him, I guess selfishly as a writer, get out there. You want to write about the guy they drafted. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, quarterback, there's no position like it in American sports where that much attention and that much pressure, that much success or failure is, is defined by that position. I want to get your perspective on this and kind of take the listeners behind the scenes. It's a unique perspective, especially for you since your first draft behind you on the beat Mm -hmm. for the Colts. What was the whole lead up to not only the Anthony Richardson pick like, and I don't mean lead up as in like the last since the combine, I mean just the last week in the lead up to Thursday night. And then overall, once you kind of got your bearings through round one, what that whole process was like on your end as the picks came in. Yeah, so I was an I'm an NBA, NBA guy. I grew up watching basketball. Sure. So, you know, I covered the Pacers draft last year. It's one night. 
and they pick three guys, which is like a lot in the NBA, <laughs> and then you're done. You know, you're done after one day, and those guys come in the next day, and you're off and rolling. But um, it definitely was an eye-opening experience for me just to realize like how much goes into building a championship-level team, a really good team. Um, you know, the swings that the, the, the Colts took later in later rounds, I'm like, okay, why did they take that that guy, Titus Leo from Wagner? It's because he's extremely athletic. It's what he could be. Why'd they go after Darius Rush? Well, he had a you know a second or third round grade. He slipped to the fifth round. Why not take a gamble on him? Jalen Jones, seventh-round corner. He was a former five-star recruit, super athletic, maybe just take a swing on him too and see. So I think for me, it was just realizing beyond just the quarterback position, um, how much they value and and really evaluate and really dive into these guys. Even talking to the area scouts afterwards, it's like, yeah, we were on Anthony Richardson, you know, two years ago, you know, just on our radar. And, you know, Josh Downs is someone we knew was going to be good for a long time. And so for me, again, it was just realizing, wow, this is a lot, you know? Sure. And then I think after the first pick came in and then that, 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 kind of gave everyone a sigh of relief even on the media side it was like okay now we can get into the other things which isn't you know the stakes are high but it just isn't as high as that pick because I think up until a week before um, you know you had the national media saying it's going to be Will Levis you had the local media like us me and Zach saying hey it, we're, we're thinking it's going to be Richardson if we had to choose um, and then you also had the the, the smoke screen from Houston what if they don't take a quarterback? Which I never believe because I'm like, wait a second. I saw Davis Mills. You cannot fool me. Like, I watched this. And, and what's funny is, like, I watched him succeed, you know, because they had the tie and then they actually beat the Colts. Right. And so I'm thinking to myself, there's no way you can start that guy and look your team in the eye and see you're trying to win games or trying to get better when you don't address the full position that you need. And so you'll hear fans, even some fans were saying, like, oh, how can we just don't punt and get Drake May or Caleb Williams next year you can't think like that because in the NFL with so much parity and even in so many one score games a play here a play there you're picking you know sixth instead of second or whatever and so um, I thought that everything kind of settled in settled in after Anthony Richardson I got to breathe a little bit I didn't sleep much uh, throughout the weekend (laughs) especially with nine picks uh, on the last day and just for everyone out there who doesn't know they all hop on Zooms like five minutes afterwards. And when the picks are closed, it's like pick comes in. You find out who he is. You look him up online. You learn a few things about his background. Okay, hop on the Zoom. Zoom goes off. They pick somebody else. You do the same thing again. And so it's just a cycle and cycle and cycle. And then Jim Irsay comes in and talks. Got to stop everything to listen to what he's saying. And then when he's done, another pick comes in. And so it just gave me a lot of respect for what they do in the draft room, um, how much effort and, and, and attention it takes to really you know, do this well. I mean, even I'm like, and I'm doing mock drafts and I have no idea how you all do the real thing. Even like Dane Brugler, I'm like, you, you've scouted over a thousand guys. And I'm like, how, how can I just know that whoever they picked, it's going to be here? Jake Witt, the last guy that the Colts picked, wasn't even playing football like three years ago. And he got a whole breakdown of them, of them and, you know, where he lived and what his nickname was when he was six. <laughs> and so, again, it was uh, eye opening, but also uh, relieving in the sense that we now know who it is. There are still going to be opinions. Um, people are going to crown him or label him as a, as a as a great player or a bust right away. But the truth is, bro, we're not going to know, yeah. you know, f- until two or three years from now. But I think that we have to just see steps this season that they're moving in the right direction. It's a lot like we've been drawing parallels to this the last couple of weeks. It's a lot like the Pacers this past year, right? Yes. Like You know, based on where they were to start the season, okay, this is likely not going to be a 
playoff caliber team, mm-hmm. but they're young, they're raw. You want to see growth. You want to see improvement game by game. Now, obviously, larger sample size of games in the mm-hmm. NBA than the NFL. So the Pacers got off to that hot start, and all of a sudden, there's a sense of, oh, well, <laughs> this could yeah. be a three-seed appearance for the Pacers <laughs> by the time it's all said and done. doesn't end that way, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that you were hoping for strides from your young core in a similar sense. And regardless of when Anthony Richardson goes under center of this entire class of whoever ends up making the official roster by the time week one arrives you want to see growth from all those draft picks like every team does but particularly when you're in whatever word you want to use not to (laughs) make anybody upset in the Colts locker room uh, but whatever word you want to use retool or rebuild you want to see strides from this class regardless of which picks you're focusing on absolutely I think that's a huge thing a lot of these guys you you picked or further upside, what they could become. And so you want to see, obviously, some are going to pop quicker than others. Everything Anthony Richardson does is going to be analyzed. Um, I'll tell you right now, when I go to camp, don't count on me writing down every completion or incompletion just because, I mean, who cares? It's camp. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, like, if, if he had a rough day or something like that. But um, I think that, again, you want to just be able to say you got better, at least in your direction. And I think that a lot of, you know, you talk about retool, rebuild. I've had this debate um, a lot with fans internally. I've written pieces about it. What are you going to do? Because as much as you love DeForest Buckner, as much as you love Grover Stewart, as much as you love Ryan Kelly, these guys are on a different timeline, so to speak. They were, you know, brought in and retained to win now. And you're not going to be able to win now. And so what do you do? Um, I know Buckner has... Two years, you know, after this upcoming season, he'll have one year left on his deal. Do you look at possibly moving him if he's has another dominant season? I'm not saying that you have to, but you at least have to consider it just because, again, you have players who are ready now, and then the one most important player might not be. So um, glad I don't have to make that decision. We'll get there when we get there. But I do think this season alone will be very big, and I also think that it's important to weigh you know how valuable it is to have veterans in your locker room you can't just go all young and trade everybody away and then tell them okay go succeed you need a veteran presence mm-hmm. DeForest Bruckner means a lot to the locker room same thing with Grover Stewart who is the most jovial happy menacing dude Jimmy he gave me a, a, a nice little tap on the arm you know after a game last season and I was like wait a second I'm only a buck 50 man you can't <laughs> can't be hitting me like that and you know like, oh man I'm sorry and, and this southern draw and he's, he's cool but again I think that uh you just want to see something that tells you, okay, we have a direction now. Because for four years after Andrew Luck retired, it was directionless. It was um, sporadic. It was inconsistent. I mean, you look at like we had that crazy stat where it's like seven or six different starting quarterbacks in week one in as many years. Yep. And, and, and that's something that's unheard of in the NFL. Now, you were given the ultimate curveball with Andrew Luck retiring. Don't have to rehash that too much. I hear you, Coles fans. Um, <laughs> but – now you have your guy. You're hoping to build around that guy. And, and also you're hoping that, again, some of these other players, you know, pop as well. I mean, you got um, Aditomiwa Adabare, who I hope I'm saying his name right, Aditomiwa. Uh, he, he says he likes to, you know, his full name and to be pronounced and, and written that way, which I will, I will you know, respect. Mm-hmm. He was 280, you know, 282. And he's the only player in combine history who's 280 or, or, or over to run sub 4'5". 449 in the 40. Like he's an explosive player. So you hope that some of these guys, he's a bit undersized, but it's like at some point, does do these traits pop? And if you can hit on obviously Anthony Richardson, Julius Brinch, Josh Downs, your top half, but some of these back half players, if you hit on three out of the next 
six or seven guys, that's a really good draft. So um, I'm excited for it, and I'm excited to really like see the guys in person and get to know them as people because you talk to them for five minutes on a Zoom and they're excited and they're they're over the moon. But I I love and just selfishly as a writer, as a human being, how do you act, how do you respond when adversity hits, particularly Anthony Richardson. I'm not even saying he's a bad person. He's going to like pout. I'm just saying it's very easy to be loved when you're the guy with potential, but then when you don't um, reach it as fast or when you have your your shortcomings, when you have inevitably, because this league will humble you no matter who you are, when the league humbles you, how do you respond to that? And I think that is where we're going to really see who these guys are, what they're made of. But overall, I thought it was a really good draft class um, and something that uh, you know gets at least some fans off of Chris Ballard's back for the time being. That's James Boyd. I am Jimmy Cook. We've got a great show for you this afternoon on the Fan Midday Show. Eddie White going to join us around the corner. We'll get his thoughts on the draft and also some stories as well. Nobody knows more about the NFL and its history than the great Eddie White. Thor Nystrom, a fantasy pro, is going to join us top of the next hour. NFL draft analyst for fantasy pros. We had him on early through the process. Get his thoughts and a grade for your Indianapolis Colts draft class of 2023. And the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor at 2.30, will take us through his draft day and draft weekend experience and where the Colts go from here after filling most of their needs over the course of the 2023 NFL Draft. But next, Eddie White, Pacer Sports and Entertainment, host of the world's greatest postgame show right here on these very airways, joins us on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Here in the DriveHumor.com studios for the Fan Midday Show with James Boy, Nettie Garrison, I am Jimmy Cook. Plenty of draft reaction throughout the day, and we lead it off with the legend himself, Eddie White, host of the world's greatest post-game show, right here on these very airwaves on the fan. Eddie, I want to lead off with this. You tweeted over the course of the draft. They kept panning over to those war rooms and uh, far more suits across the board than the Miami days with Coach Shula, eh? Oh, my God. You mean, it was, the game has changed so much. The league has changed so much. I mean, when I was with the Dolphins, those are the days when you dra- the draft was all in one day, and you went all night. You know, there's a zillion rounds, and I can remember drafting till midnight. And, you know, we had the big the catered food come in, and it was just really in the, in the room. It was the scouts. And our, I don't even think our owner, Joe Robbie, came in the room um, because I, he didn't have a great relationship with Coach Shula. But it was like Shula, his scouts, his assistant coaches, you know, the media were in another room. And this is, you know, before ESPN. And, you know, so, like, guys didn't know who we picked till Shula walked out and said, hey, uh, this is who we took in the fourth round and gave a little blurb about it, answered a few questions and went back. And uh, it just hit me the other night watching these rooms. It's like it looked like there was – 
200 or 100 people in the room. Uh, they're all in black suits. And again, I think I tweeted, it looked like it was a national convention of funeral directors. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what are these people doing here? I mean, I mean, I hope you're not taking a vote and said it's 87 to 83. We're going to take the DB from Alcorn State. I mean, listen, one guy's making the call at the end of the day on Intel that has been, you know, taken over the last year. Uh, and, you know, but, but I get it. Maybe it's sponsors and family members and all this stuff. But uh, it's amazing that what they have blown that draft up to. I mean, again, then when I went to Reebok, we, you know, we'd have the draft in New York and you'd go to Radio City. And, and uh, again, it was one day and you, you do the draft and, and boom, you move on. And now it's going all over the country, three-day affair. It's uh, it's incredible. <laughs> So, Eddie, James Boyd here with The Athletic. Yeah. Um, long time yeah, we, miss you. we miss you in our media room at the, the Pacers. I always love seeing you, my friend. Good luck to you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I miss you all, too. Obviously, it was, uh, it was a fun season for you all over there. But yeah. um, over here, I guess, in Coastland now, what is your take on Anthony Richardson and him being brought in? Inexperienced, super dynamic, boom, bust. What are you thinking? Well, as Des, again, the first, the great Don Shula, who still remains the winningest coach uh, in the history of the National Football League, <laughs> yes. used to say when he would walk out to do his press conference the day after the draft, and the guy from Gary Shelton or somebody from the Miami Herald or Miami News would go, Don, we're giving you a B for your draft. And Shula would look at him and go, listen, if you really knew what the hell you were talking about, you'd have my job. <laughs> he goes, I laugh at these grades. He goes, we, and we all know this. But we still give the grades. Mm-hmm. We're not going to know if this was a great pick for three years. We won't know. And, and you know, everybody's – I love it. Everybody and – every, and they're right. Every market, we do it with the Pacers. I did it with the Dolphins. You say, hey, we're happy with our picks. We're happy with our draft. Well, mm-hmm. sure you are because this is who you – all your intel said, this is the guy that you want to have. But we won't know for three years. And, you know, and football has changed. I mean, as weird as it sounds, uh, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I, I would have prescribed to what Gil Brandt, the great cowboy guru who drafted every cowboy from Staubach to Aikman, uh, always said that the number one quality in a quarterback, it's not his height. It's not his mobility. It's really not even his intellect. I mean, people, they get caught up in the Wonderlick test. I mean, there's been some guys who didn't score well in the Wonderlick test who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the number one quality that you need is accuracy. Mm-hmm. And number two is accuracy. You have to be able to throw from A to B in the wind, in the snow, in the rain. When you're under fire, you have to be able to do that. Now, because football has changed and the way defenses have changed, offenses have changed, accuracy is obviously still very important, but not as important as it was 10 years ago. And that's football people saying that. It's not me. I've always said I know nothing about football. I just know a lot of people who know something about football. Uh, this kid is obviously is going to be a work in, in progress. He's, he, now, the thing that I'm, you're, you're going to see is this young coach who I like uh, is a protege you know, brought into the league by Norv Turner. Norv Turner was the guy that Troy Aikman uh, was devoted to in Dallas. In fact, when Aikman got inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, who did he have inducted him? Not Jerry Jones, not Jimmy Johnson. It was Norv Turner. What Norv Turner did is he threw Aikman into the fire. If you remember his rookie year, I think they went 3-13. and He got sacked like 700 times, got destroyed. And Aikman said the most learning he ever got in football was his rookie year in Dallas when he lost 13 games. So I think you're going to see this guy 
thrown in the fire a lot earlier than maybe people think, and that's the only way you get better. Eddie, what parallels do you see for Colts fans and, and Pacers fans alike looking at the type of season the Pacers just went through with a young group that you were hoping to see strides for week in and week out? I would argue that we saw that from the Pacers this year. Colts fans likely have similar expectations in terms of how they judge this rookie class, no? Oh, I agree. I mean, I didn't think anybody thought we were going to win the NBA championship at the beginning of last year, and I don't think anybody thinks the Colts are going to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of, of this season. Uh, it's it, it, it's youth. It's work in progress. You hope to get better. You're looking for growth. Uh, you're looking to fill in some spots. I mean, you, I mean, if you were going all in this year, if, if, if a Colts fan would say, well, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl. Well, if you really wanted to believe that, then you go get that kid in with the Ravens, who the Ravens signed, or you go trade for some veteran QB, and you go all in and say, okay, we're going to win this year. They're not doing that. They're going to build just like Kevin Pritchard did. Uh, and, and Chad Buchanan here, and incidentally, Chad Buchanan and, and Ballard kind of live in the same neighborhood, so they probably compare notes. But I think they're going down the right path. You're getting young kids in here. Let them grow. Let them see what they can do. Uh, the expectations should be that great. But you know what? Here's the, here's the biggest difference. In the NFL – all, you know, in our league, you know, we got to we got to finish in the top. Now it's top ten, and then when you get in, you got to beat somebody best of seven, and then you got to beat somebody else best of seven. Okay, that's a that's a chore. Okay, in the NFL, this is why sometimes owners, thankfully, we don't have that here in Indianapolis. Sometimes owners get they get too itchy. You know, there's been too many times that you've seen a guy come in and flip it, a coach, and really go from like you know a zero to a hundred in one season, and you know why. At the end of the day, this season coming up, I know they play 17 games now, the Colts only have to beat three teams. You win your division, you go 9-8, and eight. guess what they do? They give you a hat, they give you a T-shirt, they call you a division <laughs> champion, and guess what? you got a ticket to the dance. And then you get lucky, and you win one. You know who used to do that with, with, with marvelous uh, consistency? Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning. They would, they would whimper through the regular season. Remember, nine and seven, eight and eight, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Barely get in the postseason. And what do they do? Flip the switch, boom, Super Bowl, boom, Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl champions, Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning. So you get in, they dance, and all you got to do is beat three teams. So am I saying is it easier in the NFL than the NBA? Yeah, it is. But you still got to beat those three teams. Unfortunately for the Colts, the other three teams in the division, you know, as Lou Holtz said, they give scholarships too. Okay, <laughs> they're trying to win also. So it, it, it's going to be. I think it's going to be an exciting season for Indianapolis and that division, and of course for the league overall. So Eddie, let me, let me ask you this. I got the impression from having a little Pacers Colts crossover, but Benedict Matherin, when he was drafted, he was supremely confident. He was someone who it was borderline almost arrogance. It was like, who is this kid? Why is he so confident? Why does he think he can be this good? And and, and I think that that fuels him and, and it makes him, you know, a part of who he is. I think Anthony Richardson had a little bit of that, you know, same kind of makeup where it's like I hear the people who criticize my game or have, you know, uh, uh, you know, critiques of what I can do. Then there's also that defiance, I'm going to be great uh, mentality. And, and how do you think that can inject um, some energy and just some passion or, or maybe just some belief into a franchise that's, uh, you know, I guess on similar timelines as far as, you know, finding new franchise pieces? 
I think it's imperative. I, you know, I try to tell my son this. Um, th- there is a fine line, I guess, between uh, being confident and being cocky. Uh, and maybe that line is, is, you know, I don't even know the definition of fine. I mean, you know, what, what does that mean, fine line? What the hell? Um, <laughs> but, but the important thing is you want, listen, James, you go to the athletic, okay? You were at Indy Star. you got to walk to the athletic going, I am, if not the best, I'm one of the best writers covering a National Football League. If you don't believe that, you shouldn't have that freaking gig. Uh, Captain Cook, my guy there, you have to believe, you know what, I am, I know right now I am, and I'm going to even get better, be one of the best radio guys they've ever had in Indianapolis. You have to believe that. When I was with the Dolphins, Danny Marino believed he was the best quarterback in football. I mean, you have to believe it. Now, you know, uh, besides your mother and your father, who also (laughs) believe that, there may be thousands of people that go, no, you're not the best writer at the Athletic, or Eddie, you're not the best sports PR guy in the world, or no, you're not. That's fine. That's the noise. That's the outside. But in my locker room, in my newsroom, in my studio, I believe I'm the best, and I got to get the people around me, my producer, you know, my other people, my my my, my contacts. If I'm a mm-hmm. writer, to believe that I'm the best, and that's whether it's Benedict Matherin or it's a young QB with the Colts, Richardson, they have to believe that. Now, it's tough when you come in, you haven't done anything yet, you don't have a body of work. I mean, you know, uh, Benedict, you know, of course, he, he kind of uh, poked LeBron uh, <laughs> way back in the day, kind of opened it up for the guy from Memphis to kind of finish the deal. Uh, but you have to have that, and then you and then. Again, now it's working on the craft. It's working to get better as a player, working to get better as a leader and whatever. But, yes, you you cannot walk in going, you know, I'm just, you know, listen – I spent a lot of years uh, with some great coaches, you know, Coach Shula, and, and it, when I was a Reebok, work with Belichick and those other guys. But there were, the guy who was the maestro at know how to spin things, it was Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz would walk into that locker room at Notre Dame, and he would have those guys totally convinced that they were the best team in football. And again, Lou Holtz is still, he's the last coach to ever lead, lead Notre Dame to a national championship, which is hard to believe. But then he'd go out to the media and Coach Holtz would walk in, 7-1 and one Notre Dame, get ready to play 1-7 and seven Air Force. And what would Lou Holtz say? i tell you what, Air Force is the best 1-7 and seven football team in the country. We'll be lucky to beat Air Force. i tell you, we got to fly all the way out there. He would make it look like we're, oh, my, we have no chance to beat Air Force. But in that locker room, he built the confidence internally. It was his way to do it under the table, where nowadays kind of guys want to do it over the table, but to, you know, to try to shorten it up because I get going. Uh, yes, you, you need that confidence, and I love the fact that I have a young quarterback saying, you know, I love what he said in the press conference. He talked about confidence, but he also talked about getting to work. And the other mm-hmm. thing is, I t- we, we had the fever uh, opening day the other day, and we talked to the kids, and reminded them that, you know, I can remember coming to the office here at 8 o'clock, 8.30, you know, 10 years ago, and when we walk in the entry pavilion, look over the gym down in the bottom, and I'd see this one lone ball, basketball, going in the air. It was an hour and a half before fever practice. And I'd go downstairs, open the door, and it was always the same person in there shooting. It was Tamika Ketchings. Now, be, me being goofy, I'd say, T, you got the gig. You know, you made the team. You're good, you know. <laughs> it just showed the greatness of her was always working hard, putting in the extra time. If the QB does that and Benedict Matherin does that, we're going to have two more superstars in the city, just like to make a catchings. Eddie White with us, Pacers Overtime host, the world's greatest postgame show, Pacers.com. You can follow him on Twitter at EddieWhite3. Eddie, maybe I'm overblowing this a little bit, but in a day of social media dominating left and right, it always impresses me when secrets are kept are kept close to the chest what goes into that 
on on the PR on the front office side because I still couldn't believe even up until moments before the pick was made, the Colts had kept it a secret they were going to take Anthony Richardson at four. Well, I, I always and, and, and James, you you probably you lived this this year. Yeah, I always laugh because I, I again I've been going to every combine since the first two because uh, I moved here from Miami when uh, I think the year the second or third combine, and I've seen that grow. And you know, so I've been there. I, I love combine week. I love when the Pacers are home because a lot of those guys want to come to see us play. But you go over and you're at prime forty seven and da 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 da. And I just joke, having been a PR guy uh, for an NFL team. It's it's the greatest game of liars poker ever. No one tells you the truth. I, I used to joke when Gil Brandt say, "Hey, we're we're gonna, we're gonna go to St. Elmo's." I go, "You tell the truth, or you're really going to Iarias." Come on, tell me the truth. Because <laughs> no one tells the truth. Not, not and I love when a guy says, "Well, I was talking to a guy from the Titans, and they really like." I, I, I stop him. I go, "Let me ask you a question. Do you really think whoever that person was? And usually, it's not the head guy. It's usually, the assistant GM trying to score points with a Schefter or some insider. That's how that." That, that stuff works. Uh, I almost said a bad word there. Um, but it's like they lie. Everybody yeah. lies. And, and you want deflection. You want somebody to think that you're looking at A when you're really looking at D because they're going to think, well, he's lying to me about A, so he's really looking at B. All the while, I'm looking at D. So it, it, the lying goes on left and right, and, and uh, it, it doesn't – you know, Bill Pauley was great at that. Remember when he took Edger and James? Where'd that come from? I mean, it's like you just lie, you deflect. It happens all the time. And, and sometimes you're able to pull it out. And again, sometimes you got to have a locked up uh, front office. And usually you don't tell too many people. I mean, you're not, you're, I, you know what? I, I wouldn't even tell the PR guy. In fact, I wouldn't want to know. I would not want to know where we're going because, God forbid, it came out. I don't need them going, I saw you having lunch with uh, with James at the Athletic uh, at the Prime 47. Did you tell them what we're looking at? No, 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 no. I don't want to know. But I, I am, I'm not surprised that they, they would have pulled off. I mean, they know what they're doing over there. No, I'm not surprised. Eddie wants a diplomatic immunity from, from anything that comes back on him. <laughs> Eddie Absolutely. Pre- I'm not getting Shot. I don't want to be like James Conner. <laughs> You're too smart for that. <laughs> Eddie, thank you for making time for us today, sir. Always appreciate catching up. Hey, next time I come out, I'll tell you my uh, Eli Manning, Terry Hepner, Brothersburger story oh. for the draft back in the day. We'll get that one. That, that's a little, we call it a teaser. You always leave me wanting more. <laughs> All right. You got it, brother. Hey, good luck to you guys. All right, thanks, thanks, Eddie. That's Eddie White, Pacers Overtime host of Pacers Sports and Entertainment. You can follow him on Twitter at Eddie White 3. Always good to get his perspective and in general, just the amount of across all sports he's seen, he's been a part of. Always nice to get his take on things. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a quick look at the AFC South, how things changed across the division and why it might be fun again. That's 93.5107.5 The Fan after the break. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It is the Fan Midday Show, 93.5107.5 The Fan with Eddie Garrison and James Boyd. I am Jimmy Cook. AFC South looks a whole lot different than it did a week ago. You can go pick by pick for that, but if you really want the clear and concise definition of why it's different, most of the quarterbacks that were at the very top of this draft class now reside in the AFC South. Everybody's giving chase to not only that arms race that's taking place in the entire AFC but within division, everybody's chasing Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, the Jags, James. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I didn't think it would happen like this, you know, that you know the three rookies, the top three rookie quarterbacks would be in the same division. But um, I think it'll be a great test. Even, like, the Colts faced the Panthers on the road this year, so we'll see Bryce Young. Maybe we'll see some David and Goliath type of uh, comparisons yeah. there. Um, so that'll be very exciting. I do think that for the Colts – you are confident in your guy. You trust that your guy can become, you know, a star player, a franchise quarterback. But the doubter in me, I guess, or the person who's a little cynical is like, you better hope that C.J. Stroud isn't great. Because if he is, oh, my goodness. Like, could you imagine you had the chance to move up for a guy like that and you didn't and then he kicks your butt for 15 years. So, um, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, down the line just yet. But that's something to keep in mind because I do think that because of – like any draft class, you're going to be tethered to guys who went in the same year as you. But these three in particular, with Levis dropping and then going to Tennessee, you're going to be tethered together because you're in the same division. You're going to face each other. There are going to be a lot of head-to-head matchups and chances to really you know, say this guy is better than this guy. I know football doesn't work like that. I know Mina Kimes always says you know wins aren't a QB stat. Yeah, but I'm big on that. But they also, like, that drives a lot of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Whether it's fair or not, you're going to be defined by, did you beat that guy? And um, I also think that if, you know, both teams sit on their quarterback, all three of them, I mean, it just makes the AFC even that more loaded at quarterback, you know, at that position. So, you know, you already have the top dog in Patrick Mahomes, who everyone is chasing. You have Josh Allen. You know, in your division, you got Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, got a much better coach and looked like – you know, a number one pick, a guy who could be a you know a franchise guy, a, a superstar in this league, and so um, he's a really good example of if you get the quarterback, get the coaching, and and how quickly um, that can come together. Obviously, he was further along than Anthony Richardson is as far as development and skills and things like that. But um, I think that the Colts are in a good spot. But you're also always going to be looking over. I know Jim Irsay in particular. You can't lose to Houston, you know, twice next season or tie him or whatever. And um, one of the funniest things that he said, I wasn't at the owners' meetings, but uh, Zach Kiefer was there. He sent me back the audio, and I was transcribing and things like that. And Jim Mercer still wants to win that, that season opener, whether it's against Houston or somebody else. He still wants to, you know, be in the thick of things. He doesn't want to get bullied by these certain franchises. And um, we'll see how it all plays out because it can go really good, really bad. It could be evenly matched. It can be, you know, an instance where you're just going back and forth, you know, you know, Peyton Manning and, yeah. and Tom Brady s type of thing, so we'll see. The bigger one for me will be Levis, just because that's who was available 
based on what the Colts yes. said. They were never going to trade up. They hadn't door one, door two. They chose Anthony Richardson. The fact that he ends up in Tennessee, that's what I, and I know you'll be doing the same, that I'll always tether more so than Stroud just because the Colts were honest with us about one thing, and that was we didn't see the need to trade up to get our guy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think also – how many owners are going to come out and say, oh, you know, if we didn't get our guy, we would have gone and got Will Levis. And I thought that was a fascinating comment because maybe people feel better about it if he had gone like in the top 15 or top 20. But the fact that he dropped and you're saying, oh, we probably would have still took him. I was like, uh, is this you, Jim Ursay, saying this? Or is this, what is your scouting department saying? Because... Um, from what I understand with the way that Will Levis fell, no knock on him. I think that he's a, a, an outstanding young man. I think that he works hard and all those things. But I also think that the league was saying, you know, the same message of the Colts where we think that there's a gap between these two players and, and obviously it was a pretty significant one. So um, we'll see. But, I mean, sometimes things work out where, you know, you might not th- – go where you want to go on draft night and and, and even Jalen Hurts with a questionable quarterback I'm not saying Will Levis is going to be that but some guys can be question marks and then you look back and you're like wow like that worked out perfectly for that franchise and I mean even looking at the Eagles they were able to get a really discounted Jalen Hurts because you know he was a second round pick you know even more so than being a first round pick so um, I'm excited about it I'll be you know around to document all of it I think there's very something very special about being able to be at the beginning and see it all develop in real time like you know Chap was here to see Peyton Manning Andrew Luck all of it happened in real time he's still here and um, I'm excited to join him and kind of document it we'll dive a little bit more into the AFC South and where the Colts reside within the lay of the land in the two o'clock hour but coming up next Thor Nystrom, NFL Draft and College Football Analyst for Fantasy Pros, will get his grade and evaluation on the Colts draft and which teams he feels like really hit it out of the park over the course of the weekend. With James Boyd, I'm Jimmy Cook. Thor Nystrom is next on the Fan Midday Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It is the Fan Midday Show, 93.5107.5. The Fan, not every day you get an opportunity to talk with a draft analyst, nay, someone that covers sports that has Greek ethos around him, <laughs> but we get that today with Thor Nystrom. He is back with us here on The Fan, NFL Draft and College Football Analyst for Fantasy Pros. Thor, you had an opportunity just a couple days ago to give out those draft grades for the AFC Colts got an A-plus from you. I want to dive into that in a second, but you were one of the analysts that we had on who felt like Anthony Richardson was the right play with where the Colts made their selection at four, not trading up to stay and put. When you look at the selection they made and ultimately Will Levis ending up in division, 
It, where, where do you feel about that storyline with Anthony Richardson going for and Will Levis going to the South in the second round? Yeah, I was going to say, I know why you boys are happy today. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just, just a dominant draft for the Colts. And for anyone out there that, that doesn't know my draft grades, I grade on a curve. So I only give out a couple A-pluses every year. I also give out two Fs, two D-minuses, two Ds. So to get an A-plus on my list, you got to be at the very top of the NFL. And the Colts were during this process. They made the correct decision with Anthony Richardson objectively. Much higher ceiling than Will Levis. And I think sneakily might have a higher floor as well. We can definitely get into that. But the, the concerns the NFL ended up having with Levis were the same concerns that I had all processed. So it wasn't terribly uh, uh, surprising to me that he fell into the second round. Thor, James Boyd here with The Athletic. Um, I was a bit shocked to see the A-plus. I, you know, a lot of, uh, I don't know, maybe I was in this bubble of just you know, uncertainty. <laughs> a lot of fans telling me, what is Chris Powell going to do? Is he going to ruin this or is he not? But um, getting into, I guess, beyond Anthony Richardson, what picks really stood out to you? I know we've talked about it on my side, but who are some players where you're like, okay, that makes sense for them there? Yeah, I mean, almost every single one with the Colts. It's almost like they were drafting off of my board. I really like the Julius <laughs> Brents pick. The, the Josh Downs pick was great value. So was Freeland. My favorite pick, though, was Adeboare in, in the fourth round. Physical packages like that never slip out of day two. They rarely slip out of day one. To get that kid in round four, the NFL has mitigated your risk for you. You now mm. have this enormous dice roll on this kid, and, and you get all the benefit of his upside if he gets there. But again, all the risk was mitigated for you. I, I I just don't understand why that kid fell that far. When you look at Josh Downs, you mentioned in your analysis this on Fantasy Pros that you feel like he can start immediately in the slot. Is that based on schematically what he'll be asked to do within Shane Steichen, or is it based on how he profiles to pick up an NFL offense? Both. Yeah. I mean, he, he's one of, you know, th- this wasn't a very good receiver class, but if, if you're just looking at the guys who can come in and play immediately, he's one of the most pro ready guys. He was getting pounded with targets each of the last couple of years. And he could, the efficiency with that kid converting those into catches, regardless of, you know, I mean, like he creates separation for sure, but like, he's really good at catching the ball in traffic for, for a smaller player. That's what really stood out about him. And again, UNC just pounded that kid with targets. A couple years ago, UNC had really good skill talent, but that all left. And so it was mostly just Josh Downs, and they used him. And and so he was put into some disadvantageous situations where, again, they were just forcing targets to him. And he consistently converted those into catches and then yards. So, yeah, I I think he's going to play right away, and I think he's going to be a good starting slot in the NFL. So, Thor, you touched on a little bit um, briefly, but and I had the same thought. What makes Anthony Richardson's floor higher than others might think? It's it's two things. First of all, like everybody knows the athletic profile, which is going to convert into the the running utility. Um, check out the LSU tape from this past season, the eighty yard touchdown where he got up to like twenty two miles per hour on the GPS or something like that. Uh, you you have all that different stuff, but the. The other thing that I didn't think he got enough credit for during the process was his pocket presence. And that's the big difference between him and Levis. Like Levis, he would panic under pressure, and he didn't sense the pressure until it got to the gate. Sometimes he didn't sense it until the whistle had blown. He was looking up at the ceiling. Anthony Richardson has a really good feel for that. Not only that, he doesn't panic under pressure. And the reason for that is because he's the nastiest athlete to ever enter the NFL at quarterback. So he'll let the the free rushers get within a couple paces of him because he knows he can just dart either direction suddenly and then just accelerate out of there. And so you see these rushers, they start to approach him very carefully. 
right? Like, like, like a lion has gotten out of the cage at the zoo. Like, you have to be very, very careful <laughs> with Anthony Richardson because if, if you over-pursue uh, on him, you, I mean, he, he's just going to run right by you. So th- that thing – and then also I, I thought he was um, criticized too much for the accuracy per- – the completion percentage because if you just switch that to on-target percentage, he shoots up the rankings. You know, like the, the Florida receiving core last year stunk – and Anthony Richardson was learning his fourth different offense for his fourth different offensive coordinator in four years. Also had his fourth different quarterback coach last year. Now, those are going to tick up to fifth and fifth this year. But hopefully now he's going to get stability with the Colts. You're going to teach him, and he's going to grow there. And, and, and I think he's got a shot at hitting that ceiling. Oh, get out of here with all that context. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> These are the things I tried to explain, Thor. Thank you for having my back. <laughs> you got it. Thor, for him – the one of the biggest attractions outside of the accuracy issues I'm right there with you in terms of it was a bit overblown throughout the process is the amount of snaps the amount of starts the age when you look at today's NFL when you look at Shane Steichen's offense and what the Colts have around Anthony Richardson right now is it a pro and con game of whether or not to start him right away yeah like you know I I heard that they were planning to do that I I would have waited a little bit but again, like I don't think you're going to emotionally scar that kid by playing him early because usually that's what happens with the guys that lack the pocket presence and are already skittish under pressure. That's not Anthony Richardson, so so I don't think you're going to like put scars on him. It's just like for me, I, I think like next year, I, I maybe would have wanted him to learn for just a little bit. But like, I don't mind the Colts tossing him in early. Like, I, like do I think he's going to be an NFL standout next year? No, but he's going to give you plenty of flash plays and. If you're, you know, I mean, like, I don't think the Colts are going to be contenders next year, but you're just going to give yourself another good pick that then you're going to put with him next year, give him another weapon. I, I like, I, I think it's going to be fine. Deeper into the draft or deeper into their process, I beg your pardon, after Anthony Richardson, I know we've talked about already the value that you felt they were able to grab within their third, fourth, and fifth picks, respectively. But pick number two overall for the Colts, their second-round selection of Julius Brents. Where do you have him slotted as in terms of his ability to fill a desperate need for the Colts right away? Yeah, he he can absolutely play right away. He was right around on my board right where they, they took him. I think I had him 47th and cornerback seven. He's the longest, you know, it's funny because they, they took the freak in the first round at the quarterback position, then they take another freak here, and obviously they weren't done taking freaks, but – Julius Brents has the longest wingspan of any cornerback who has ever measured into the NFL combine. And if, if it was just that, that would be one thing. But he also proved the concept of his athleticism during the process. He had a 9.99 RAS, and he didn't duck a test. His agility scores were ridiculous. He tested well enough as far as the speed goes, and he was explosive with the jumps. So you have all that stuff, and then you look, you start to look at the tape, you go back, you're like, yeah, this kid is more athletic than, than I may have given him credit for right away. He started to open our eyes when we were down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Go back, like if, if there's any practice tape out there from Tuesday, Colts fans might want to go and check that out from the Senior Bowl day one. Julius Brents was erasing people off the face of the earth in, in those one-on-ones. And in, in generally in those events, like you guys know, those are heavily tilted towards the offense because you're just leaving a cornerback out on an island. But people couldn't get releases against Julius Brent. Even when they did, when they did, they couldn't shake him. That day, Tank Dell was destroying everybody because his movement and those one-on-one things is literally unfair. But he couldn't get beyond five yards against Julius Brent. Like, they were just blowing the whistle. 
because he just wasn't letting them off the line, different stuff like that. So I th- that was a really good pick in, in the second round. Like I said, a kid who's going to come in and start immediately. So here's one for you. Emo Ikeyor, I hope I'm saying his last name right, Alabama. He had a fourth, fifth round grade, drops all the way out of the draft. The Colts signed him as an undrafted free agent. I don't know if you have any inside information or just your thoughts. Like, why do you think that he dropped completely out of the draft when everything I've read and, and, and about is he hasn't had any behavioral issues? Of you know, three year start at Alabama, a premier program, um, and and still I think would would have a decent chance of possibly making the Colts' roster the undrafted free agent. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, like, so I'm looking at my UDFA rankings right now. Uh, Ikior was definitely the the best uh, guy that the Colts signed, and I agree with you. He should have been drafted. I, I, you know, like I had a tough time with him because he's sort of an unorthodox player who's like in this like shot off frame and, and he's mm-hmm. not as, you know, he's not as big as some of these other guards or whatever, but he's very springy, gets on you quick and he can generate that power through the hips. And in that way, the guy that I ended up comping him to was Nate Davis because it, mm-hmm. it reminded me of a lot of the same thing of like that sort of sawed off frame, but it's like a spring coming forward. And Ikior was really good for Alabama these last couple of years. So, yeah, like generally that, that kind of kid gets drafted, so it's a surprise he fell out. Thor, you had a C grade for the Houston Texans following their draft. How much, if any, of that went into the selection of Stroud followed by the trade-up and then giving up their number one pick next year to go obtain Will Anderson Jr.? Yeah, that that definitely had a part of it. Um, I, I tried to, to grade the picks like in, in the value slots that they had, and like – that, but but that trade, yeah, I, I didn't love that just because next year's draft, the top five picks are going to be so valuable, and I expect the Colts, or the, I'm sorry, the Texans not to be very good next year. So I'm not sure that I would have surrendered your first round pick next year. But I, I understood what they were doing with that. My bigger issue with, with the Texans' draft, it was what came after that. Like taking Juice Scruggs at 62 when I thought better centers were available a couple rounds later, I, I wasn't sure about that. They did get my boy Tank Dell. But some of the other picks, I, I just wasn't really on board with, with. And a lot of times I don't see the board like the Texans do. So it wasn't a surprise that I disagree with some of their picks. But, yeah, you know, it wasn't a terrible process. And certainly you're infusing a whole bunch of talent with Stroud and Anderson. But giving up that first-round pick next year I think is going to hurt one year, one year from now. Well, I'll just throw out there that I never believed that they weren't going to take a quarterback. So that was <laughs> that was the worst smokescreen ever. But Thor, um, your take on the Tennessee Titans, Will Levis, obviously he dropped in, in kind of a unique situation where you have three of the top four top quarterbacks in this class going to the same division. What did you think of their decision to take a swing on him after he fell out of the first round? Yeah, I mean, like, I, certainly I have the trepidations on Levis, but, I mean, like, at that price point, I'm okay with that because it, it's it's a long bridge and, and maybe even a, a leap of faith to think that you're going to be able to fix that pocket presence thing. It's the one thing I look for in quarterbacks where I identify the bust. It's the reason that I thought Zach Wilson was going to bust. It's the reason that I thought Drew Locke was going to bust. And Will Levis has that peccadillo. If, if you can fix that, yeah, he's going to be really good because he's got the golden right arm. The other thing with him, the mechanical thing, that thing can be fixed. Like, he throws with mechanics when he has his mind on it, but it's just he's too nonchalant there in the pocket. But the problem with that is when you go YOLO every time you have pressure in your face, how are you going to think that you're going to fix those mechanics and, mm-hmm. and, and project that he's not going to start putting the ball up for grabs? when he finally denotes that that pressure is right in his face. So, so that that was with him. But, like, at the 33rd slot at the quarterback position, I'm, I'm okay taking that, that dice roll. I thought they made the correct decision in round one with Skaronsky. 
I love their third rounder, Tajay Spears, is one of my favorite players in the draft. With him, it's just, are the knees going to hold up? Because he had the two knee injuries in, in college. But if he does, the explosion is going to speak for itself. So I, I thought the Titans overall had a pretty solid draft. Thor Nystrom with us, NFL Draft College Football Analyst for Fantasy Pros. You can follow him on Twitter, at ThorKU. Thor, through your Colts draft analysis, they go ahead and address their offensive line needs or offensive depth needs with Brake Freeland out of BYU. In your analysis, we were discussing before we had you on, there's still a need for guard help there for the Colts, but potentially they might be able to have that in-house if Freeland surprises enough when training camp arrives. Yeah, that, you know, like it, it wasn't uh, a criticism at all the Colts draft because the, the, you know, I love the Colts draft and, and Freeland I thought was a great pick in the slot. But yeah, it, it did bring up that curiosity of like the Colts absolutely needed the, the other guard, you know, ne- next to uh, Quentin Johnson. And then you got your offensive line set. So it's interesting that they took Freeland, but in the value slot again, great. And, and the talent dr- dropped off a shelf at tackle right after that. But I'm wondering, like, are they going to kick their right tackle Smith? Is he going to get kicked to, to right guard now? If Freeland comes in and surprises, if you do, like, if that's the case, that is a nasty offensive line, and 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 I'm bullish on Freeland. Like his testing spoke for itself, his play on tape spoke for itself. Obviously, he wasn't playing the top competition that some of these different guys were, but he answered enough questions for me where I ranked him well higher than the Colts drafted him. Thor, last thing on my end. Who do you feel got the best value? I guess non-Colts divisions. I know they got an A+. Who do you think got the best value within this draft? And then in terms of the Super Bowl participants, Eagles felt like knocked out of the park. Kansas City, not so much in your mind. No, I, I, I thought, you know, and, and generally I like the Chiefs' processes. I don't know what was going on with them this year. It, it like They took the, the three positions that they needed, but those positions, they, they were reaching for everybody. The, uh, the other teams that I, I really liked were the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I thought they both destroyed the draft process this year, consistently getting the values. Thor, always appreciate your work through this process. I've joked with James. We'll joke with any of our draft analysts we've had on. Get some rest, man. You deserve it. Appreciate all your hard work throughout this <laughs> time. Right. Thanks, boys. Appreciate you. <laughs> That's Thor Nystrom of Fantasy Pros. Nice enough to take some time with us here on The Fan. And James, he brought up a lot of great points there. But I think the the biggest thing for me that I don't want to say it surprised me, but, but Thor speaks with a lot of confidence. and He's been doing this for a long time. The idea of Josh Downs starting right away, immediately taking over that slot position that maybe you could argue would have been set up for, for Isaiah McKenzie out of the gate based on the moves the Colts have made this offseason. That's exciting to me if I'm a Colts fan. The idea to see yet another weapon, particularly on the offensive side, that you're not going to have to wait on to see him out on the field. Yeah, I think that's a good chance that he I had no guarantee it happens obviously yeah, just but his I, markup yeah i had it in my depth chart that you know he has a pretty good chance of uh being a starter mainly because of the production at the college level he's proven it time and time again and as thor said when you're like schemed for and you still produce at that level again it wasn't the sec um which is usually the proven grounds i know i might make some big 10 fans out there a little upset but um <laughs> When you can be schemed up in a Power 5 conference and uh, be on the top of the scouting report and still get open and still produce, that matters. And I think that that really you know, carries over. And again, when you're a technician and when Reggie Wayne is vouching for you, um, that says a lot about your character, your talent, and your ability to probably you know, contribute right away. The other one as well, out of Tamu Adabare, out of Northwestern, I mean, that was the biggest surprise for me in terms of the Colts being able to get him where they did 
so many people had him higher up on their boards. And you look at, again, you're trying to mock out in general, not just with us that do it as an exercise, but the front offices that are doing it, making franchise-altering decisions with every draft. You mentioned the windows that are closing around some of the key pieces across the Colts' defense. It's not to say it's guaranteed that Adebarre would be the answer, but with the skills that he has and just his overall athleticism, it at least gives you an option as you try to groom him into the next great piece along the Colts' defensive line. Yeah, I do think, you know, whatever happens going forward, you still need bigger, you know, uh, D-tackles, three-tech guys, and things like that. However, he should, you know, have a chance to make impact plays this season, mainly because, you know, you look at uh, the line, there was a little bit of movement there. You know, you lose a little bit of depth in the offseason, but I do think that he's a guy who can come in. Um, He's a hard worker for what everyone says, and I know that's a cliche thing. Everyone's a hard worker, you know, but – I tend to value it more when you hear it from the scouts who watched every single play, you know, watched every snap and said that this guy plays with that type of motor and, and the type of energy that you need to, you know, even make up for some of your deficiencies in other areas. And so, again, he's a bit of a tweener. And, um, you know, he said he likes to play inside. He wants to play inside. That's where the Colts plan to play him. Ballard said he's going to be a three-technique guy. But I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, you know, they experiment a little bit. Does he go outside a little bit? Does he stay inside? Do they mix it up just to give him different looks and just to give the defense different looks? You look at his grade. We joked about it a little bit before the segment started that whenever I see glaring A-pluses or A's across the board, I don't know what it is. I try to be optimistic for the most part. It makes me start to be like, okay, there's a lot of flowers being thrown right now. Similar to your grade in terms of what Thor gave out there or not as high? Yeah, I had him at a B-plus because of the guard situation. Um, just don't know what's going on there. He made a good point. Maybe you kick um, Braden Smith inside, put Blake Freeland on, on the outside. But I'm also of the mindset that, like, you can't keep moving guys inside and outside. At some point, you got to tell a guy. And, I mean, you paid Braden Smith to be a right tackle. Yeah, You give him a lot of money to be a right tackle. I'm not saying that you shouldn't experiment, but – I get a little hesitant when you get to moving people around on on the offensive line. And I had a great conversation with Ryan Kelly about this and just the nuances of, I mean, you you forget that they're like experts in their field. They have PhDs in this. And so it's not as simple as, oh, just take this guy, move him inside. Everything's going to be fine. It's a totally different position. There are similarities, of course, but it's not the same. And so um, Braden Smith could be able to adapt. Blake Freeland could pop so much that they forced to make a decision there. But um, I'm just tempted to think that it would be easier, maybe smoother sailing if you just get guys with that's their position, that's what they do, rather than trying to make them do something that they haven't done in a year or so. And so it's like, how quickly can Braden Smith become your right guard, you know, in one summer as opposed to being a right tackle, which he's been for seasons. You know, it's it's a little bit of that. So um, I'm glad I'm not making that decision. And then also, I guess he goes back to how much faith do you have in Tony Sperano Jr. being your new offensive line coach. I know Shane Steichen's really high on him. And I'm excited to see what happens with that unit because as much as we talk about the quarterback, the wide receivers, the defensive backs, football is, is very simple in the, in the aspect of you win in the trenches. And so what you do with the line of scrimmage matters, and I'm excited to see what they do with it. You mentioned earlier, though, the idea of spending more money on the offensive line. Is that factor in it? Again, we're playing a a weird game of projecting Blake Freeland to instantly be able to to start as a right tackle in the NFL like that. That's not something that you know, Thor is doing lightly there, and it's more speculation. He says it just to clarify that. He's not saying this is what the Colts should do. He's saying 
if he surprises right, in camp, right. which is a massive leap there. But if we are playing out that scenario, is that more cost effective in your mind, not having to spend more money on the line? Or is what you're already paying Braden Smith to do that job as a right tackle overpowering that chance of that happening for exactly. you? Exactly. I do think that it'll come down to you know, if he pops. And obviously you would love that as a GM, as a coach, as a franchise, you can get guys on discounted deals. I mean, that's the whole point of pursuing Anthony Richardson, right? Um, I had this long debate over the summer, or not over the summer, over the uh, offseason until this point. You know, who's the best quarterback option for the Colts? The best option, the most proven option was Lamar Jackson because he's a proven commodity. Mm -hmm. You know what you're getting. You know he's been an MVP. However... He's going to cost you, I think the numbers came out, $185 million guaranteed, $250 plus million dollars, and possibly some first-round picks. You get Anthony Richardson, it takes longer, but if he can become and reach his ceiling and become a superstar two, three years, I mean, those are really important years to build the rest of your roster to find cost-effective moves in a similar sense to the offensive line. It's not as great as stakes, but obviously you would – prefer that you can get a guy on a discounted contract who can be a starter in the NFL who can be you know that anchor up front and so that's my uh, my biggest thing and I just don't see Chris Ballard shelling out more money for the offensive line um, which was the highest paid unit in the league last year and again they're the highest paid unit because they paid three guys Nelson Braden and um, I'm blanking the other one right now uh, Ryan Kelly yep. exactly so those three guys I mean those are the bulk of your, your pay. And so if you go out and get, again, get a guy like Dalton Risner, I was looking at uh, his, his contract projections online yesterday at SpotRack. You know, they predict that he's worth, you know, basically like $9 million a year. Are you willing to pay that, you know, $32 million, $33 million, $34 million for a four-year contract um, to bolster your offensive line? Are you that sure that he's the answer? And so um, we'll see. I do think that, you know, we might see some veterans, maybe some more cost-effective veteran signings. But I, I just, I'm just saying, hey, Chris Ballard, you told us last year that you were going to believe in these guys, give them a chance, uh, and it backfired tremendously. I just don't think you can go back into this this – you know, offensive line unit, even with Blake Freeland there, and uh, believe that everything's going to be okay. Everyone's just going to get it, and, and it's all going to come together because things go wrong in this sport all the time. It's how you respond to it. It's fascinating across the board the issues or question marks that have surrounded the offensive line for the last season and a half, two seasons, and where do you draw the line of the biggest benefit of having Anthony Richardson outside of what he can do on the field, but the cost effectiveness of this window with him where do you want to spend the money is it more important on that end to address the offensive line is it more important depending on what goes on this season to surround him with more weapons in the free agent side of things not just this year but beyond we'll look at that a little closer when we come back plus some history made last night in the NBA playoffs, setting the stage for a thrilling second round across the board in the association. We'll get to that more after this on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Fan Midday Show with James Boy, Nettie Garrison. I am Jimmy Cook. Thanks for spending part of your Monday afternoon with us. History made last night as we leave the gridiron for the hardwood NBA playoffs rolling through. Final game of the first round. Game 7, Warriors-Kings. And if you doubted for a second what Steph Curry is capable of, if you doubted for a second that he belongs in that conversation for best player in the world right now, if you happen to let yourself flicker that way for just a moment, you were proven wrong last night. 50 points, most in a game seven, 20 of 38 shooting, a masterclass by Steph Curry, as we've at times taken for granted, I feel like, over the course of his career and over the course of this dynastic run by the Warriors. I don't know, man. He missed two free throws in a row. So Steph was a little off yesterday. But as I was saying on Twitter after the game, he's the best player in the world right now. And I think that him and LeBron have been the best two, just sustained-wise over the last decade or so. I know there's been blips, you know, with is it Kawhi? Is it Giannis? Is it KD? It's those two. And to get another chapter in that story, in that book, is really cool. Um, I also think that with Steph, his will to win is sometimes, I think, understated because of how mild-mannered he usually is. I mean, he's a consummate professional. He's probably one of the easiest superstars to work with, I'd imagine, because he seems very egoless, even though he is um, a legend already. And so to see him basically say, we're not losing, was greatness personified. I thought that it was fantastic to watch because – they were going to lose. They had nothing else going besides Kevin Looney. I mean, Kevon Looney, he played fantastic. I mean, he bullied Sabonis, um, just killed him on the glass. But Clay Thompson, one of the greatest shooters ever, built a house yesterday with a bunch of bricks. Andrew Wiggins played pretty good defense, 5 for 16. He was throwing up bricks as well. Steph Curry just said, get on my back, my 6'2 back, by the way, and I'm going to carry you to the finish line. We're not losing. And so I thought that it was, uh, you know, a tale as old as time as far as sports go where you have the the young up-and-coming teams and players. De'Aaron Fox looks fantastic. I think he's a star in this league for years to come. But it's like, no, like we, we still got some, some time left in, in this dance, in this fight to keep going. And I thought that Steph Curry was fantastic and just um, really fun to watch. He's the greatest show in sports when he's on like when he's on well, I will say American sports because I mean when you see on and you know, Mbappe and others <laughs> sure. like it's different yeah. but basketball wise I mean when he came here to Indy um, last year when I covered the Pacers it was like Moses they had to part the Red Sea <laughs> for him to go out on the court because fans are hanging over can you sign this and, and he could never sign every autograph because so many people love him and want to do that and so I thought that uh, it was just one of those things where you look back on and you're going to say hey remember that game that he had where he did XYZ, and again, I have to dock him for the free throw shooting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're keeping him honest in that regard. And, and for Pacers fans, whether you were drawn to the Sacramento Kings because of the DeMontis Sabonis tie, because you wanted to see him do well, and, and you were happy for him getting an opportunity to 
potentially go capture Larry O'Brien trophy. If that was the avenue for you, great. But if not, I think there's a lot of parallels or a lot of feels for Pacers fans around the Kings because, yes, they're they're in California. And yes, you know, it, it is not it's not L.A. It's not the Bay, but it, but it's, it's it's big city life in that regard. But you still relate to them because. They've had so much suffering in their own right. They often have to perfect things in the draft exactly like the Pacers do. And in previous iterations of the Indiana Pacers, I'm thinking back to Paul George's run here, young teams, hungry, ready to go and push the old guard away. Back then it was Pacers Heat, Paul George, LeBron. This iteration of the Kings, it has that same vibe to it, trying to push away the old guard, trying to take that leap and ultimately the big brother in this scenario and the Golden State Warriors not ready to give up that crown. Yeah, they're a piece away, and I know that sounds uh, mean because they were the three seed in the West, but I think when you get to the playoffs, you see that there's levels to this. I thought the De'Aaron Fox rose to a different level. I thought the Sabonis was okay. There were times where you were saying, man, you're an all-star, you got to play better. I think that his hand really hurt yeah. him. I know I was hard on him on Twitter, and, and I'm, I was partly joking, but I think that his hand really did bother him more than he was kind of letting on. Because um, I was looking, I'm like, man, he's not even shooting like these little five-foot, ten-foot shots. Like, how much is that affecting you? However, um, I still think that with Steph, there's that quiet confidence, there's that burning desire. And then he's also... He has what I call like the F you like shots where he just <laughs> like he just demoralizes yep. you, you know, where he does that better than anybody in the NBA. Because to me, his 50, his, his scoring, his playmaking, those things, do, cause they embarrass you. Like you can play the best defense ever. and He shoots from 40 feet and he switches it. Or you can come up on him. He dribbles past you, throws like a, a underhand floater to the sky and hits nothing but the bottom of the net. That is demoralizing. And then even the most backbreaking plays of this Warriors dynasty, in my opinion, are that Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, offensive rebound, kick it back out to Steph, who just missed because he's human, and then he hits it and you're like, oh yeah, he's still a god. So there's a there's a there's a lot of uh just competitive fire within that guy. I had a chance to see it up close because when last season when he came here, he was close to the record. So the three-point record, and everyone kind of descended on Indy. So I was um, able to really see how he operates at a level that is different than everyone else. Handle the spotlight, handle the pressure, and be, um, in my opinion, one of the one of the best ever. And I think that there is going to be a serious debate about where he ranks all time. I kind of hate the list thing, but I'm not mad at anyone who says, you know, when he hangs it up eventually, he's top ten all time because. The greatest shooter ever, if you're telling me the greatest shooter ever is top 10, I probably can't argue that. And I thought he had these great lines um, yesterday, Jimmy, where he goes, someone asked him, how do you stop Steph Curry? And he's like, well, you know, I hope we never find out. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to because he, he, he's one of the greats. Shifting out of East for a second, it has become in a rather quick counterpunching-like motion a truly wide-open East yes. in that regard. Mm-hmm. And maybe the obvious answer to this question is it's Boston. It's going to be Boston. It's a very easy path for them. If you're just outside looking in, you're going to end up facing. If you get past Philadelphia, either Miami or the Knicks, you've matched up pretty well with both of those teams throughout the course of the regular season. From a lineup standpoint, you should probably be able to hang your own there. Switching to Philadelphia and game one tonight of that series. Saw a tweet, Joel Embiid, he was at shoot-around, but he's doubtful to participate because the knee injury he had, Shams Trani had 
broke this a couple days ago, considered to be a grade one LCL sprain. Another just heartaching, truly devastating turn for Joel Embiid in his career, unable to stay healthy. Where is the East at for you with all those storylines ongoing? And that's not even talking about Miami's win over the Knicks in the Garden yesterday. Exactly. I think that Boston is the clear favorite. They should be. Things have kind of really broken, fortunately, for them. Um, you get a little skeptical because they were letting the Hawks hang around, and I'm like, do your work. Because like, you know, <laughs> with any game in the playoffs, it's not just about winning the series. It's getting through the series as quick as possible because an extra game means an extra chance for a guy to sprain an ankle, break a finger, whatever the case may be. So they got their, you know, their stuff done. I think that they're battle-tested, having gone through last year, having been humbled by Steph Curry in the finals. They're hungry to get back there. But something about Jimmy Buckets, man. Um, he is – Jimmy, I don't know if we've ever seen – I guess you're another Jimmy, so maybe we have seen him. <laughs> but I don't know if we've seen a guy who is one thing in the regular season and is completely different in the playoffs because, in my opinion, just about every year – Jimmy Butler is a top five player in the playoffs. Now, he's never been, you know, an MVP, defensive player of the year. Um, he's never been it, like considered the best player in the world or the best player in the NBA. But come playoff time, you're like, is that Jimmy Butler or Michael Jordan? Because the stuff that he's doing, and I'll say that in jest, but I mean, 56 points to, to, to you know, put – you know, Milwaukee on the brinks comes right back, has another 40 plus game, has the play to even send it to overtime. Then comes out, you know, helps them knock off the Knicks at home. I get it, Julius Randle wasn't playing, but remind you, the Heat are without Tyler Hero, one of their leading scorers, you know, one of the best shooters in the NBA. And Jimmy's just saying, get on my back and carry me. So I think that you look at playoff performers, I got to throw him, Devin Booker, and Steph Curry in like the same category of just being unbelievable so far. And so, uh, I think that Boston, again, is the favorite. They should win. But, I mean, you could have said think about my Milwaukee. You know, one injury here, one play there, one bad game here. And I feel like Jimmy's just like the guy who just takes everything. Like, don't show him any flesh because he's going to take it and just rip it open. Because, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the guy who, you know, who he's proven to be over the years. And, I mean, wow. He just seems to be the guy who proves every franchise that previously, like, passed on making him the guy look stupid. Like, you know, Minnesota – you know, he was with the Chicago Bulls, my hometown team. They all look dumb for letting him go because he's done things for Miami that, you know, rival what LeBron and, and what D. Wade and what other greats um, for that franchise have done. He is the prime example. And you can use this for Steph. You can use it for LeBron. You can use it for Jason Tatum. You can use it for all the star players. But he's a prime example for if you have an elite level playmaking talent that can go get you whatever you ask. 25 one night, 40 the next night. And I'm talking, I guess, specifically playoffs for him because like you mentioned, there's times, and it happens with every superstar, it's not always this high level night in, night out during the regular season. But over the last two or three postseasons that he has been a part of, he is the prime example for any franchise that is looking for what's the answer, what's the one piece we need to get us over the top. He is the prime example of a superstar that you have to be able to rely on. It's what the Pacers are seeking right now, what they hope they maybe have in Tyrese Halliburton, Mm -hmm. what they hope that Bennett Matherin is able to one day grow into, what they hope to find in the NBA draft whenever we finally get the uh, ping balls to bounce wherever they will here in about two weeks. And to think of where Miami was 
a couple bounces here or the, here or there away from being an afterthought in the play-in tournament to now three wins away from a trip to the conference finals. It goes against my entire realm of thinking, which is if you're not fully confident in yourself, particularly in the NBA, Eddie White mentioned it, if you're in the NFL, it's a one-game sample size, you could always surprise somebody. But the way the NBA is built, more often than not, the best team wins. He is the counter-argument to my thought of, hey, if you're in the play-in, there's not really an avenue to make much noise. And yes, the Bucks dealt with injuries. And yes, did they play with their food a little bit in that series? Came back to bite them in the end. But that is what you're fighting for if you're a team that's on the bottom level of the conference with two or three weeks to play in the regular season. Once you have that guy, you believe it doesn't matter what your seat is. Anything's possible for your team. Absolutely. I think that, to make another sports reference, Jimmy Butler, he just he gives you a puncher's chance. And he just... He's Tank Davis. He hits you in that rib cage, hits you in that, that, yes. that you know, liver area, and you drop. And, and so, again... Is Ryan Garcia not a great like great fighter? He was undefeated coming in. So, again, if you just expose a little bit, it seems like Jimmy just pounces on it. Um, arguably as good as anybody else in sports as far as um, pouncing on weaknesses, taking advantage, and no one's going to cry for you. Because, I mean, in the, in the criticism I had with people who were trying to defend Giannis, who had 38 points and 20 rebounds, you missed 13 free throws and a two-point loss. You had seven turnovers and a two-point loss. Um, he looked scared at the end of the game. He almost threw, it out of, he almost threw the season away. Because he didn't want to go to the free throw line. Um, and again, that's something where I'm like, man, I thought this guy was the best player in the world. And, and now he's he's kind of flailing a little bit. And so there's flaws there. There's levels to this. So I think Giannis is still going to be, you know, great for years to come. But Jimmy, I think, is is kind of like the party pooper type of guy. He comes in, crashes the party, knocks the table over, makes you clean it up. Um, he, he's the bully. And, and so he gives you a good chance to do something special. But if I had to guess, again, I think that Boston comes out the East and the West is pretty wide open. I, I think that, you know, you got the Suns who are top heavy. They're down right now. I, I have concerns about their bench and, and, and playing so many minutes on, on KD and Booker and Chris Paul is looking older and older every year. You got Denver who might be an, the most underrated number one seed because we never talk about them, but it's like... You love basketball as much as I do. Does it surprise you? that we're still doing this thing now two straight years where the Nuggets impressed to some extent. I understand they didn't reach what they wanted to reach last year in that playoff berth, but it keeps happening. You know what it is, Jimmy? I think that it's because Jokic doesn't do anything sexy. Yeah. Everything he does... I mean, looks, some of those passes. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's beautiful. But, but you're right. From an but the way, like yeah. the way he plays, the way he looks, it, it's not... It doesn't look exciting. Yeah. You know, LeBron has the dunks. Steph Curry has the deep threes. John Moran has the aerial attacks, those types of things. You know, even Jason Tatum, others. Jimmy Butler has the trash talk. Jokic just beats your head in and, like, doesn't say anything. Like, he's very <laughs> Tim Duncan-esque in that sense. But, I mean, I'm excited about it. Obviously, I'll be able to watch some of the games tonight. As a, what You know, well, I can't lie. I definitely had the games on in the media <laughs> room at the Colts facility. <laughs> and my editor's like, where's your story? And I'm like, wait a second, LeBron's doing this. But, um, yeah, it was a fun balance the last few days. But I'll be able to decompress tonight and, um, you know, lock in a little bit. But, obviously, um, it, it's exciting. I think that – the best thing that happened for the Pacers was the Tyrese Halliburton injury, in a sense, because it took the playoffs out of their mind to focus on the rebuild. And, you know, those ping pong balls go one way and Victor Wimbenyamba <laughs> makes his way to Indy. Oh, you know, please, I'm, please. I'm, 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 
hey, I'm throwing out all the optimism. You know, some of this might stick, some of it might not. But um, I do think if they get a generational player in this draft, and it really does take a ping pong ball to bounce your way one year. I mean, because you look at it, Milwaukee wouldn't be, you know, a championship level team had they not drafted Giannis. You know, Cleveland would be irrelevant had LeBron not been drafted there and gone back. You know, being from there, if LeBron's not from Cleveland, he probably doesn't even go. Not not Cleveland. I'm sorry, Akron. Yeah. If he doesn't go back there, so there's no return trip. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you need just a break. You know, for some of these smaller market teams, Sacramento, Indiana, those teams usually you got to get through the draft, and if they hit on a guy who can be. You know, a top five superstar type of player. You hit on a Luca, you hit on a Trey Young, you hit on somebody like that, then you got a chance to do something special. So um, I'm excited for their future. Um, still like missing it in a way because I'm like, dang, man, like, you know, but if they get Wimby, uh, I don't think the athletic would uh, mind me making my way over to Cambridge. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that because coming up, since we do have James in here and, and he's been able to to cover both sides of town in regards to both the Pacers and the Colts, I want to get your evaluation of where the roster's at right now. Obviously, our attention's going to turn a little bit. Of course big picture for not only the station but all of us Hoosiers is it is finally May it's May 1st so Indy 500 is going to take center stage throughout the next couple of weeks but sandwiched in there is the draft lottery and then soon to follow after that is the NBA draft for the Pacers I want to get James thoughts on where the roster is at right now still to come as well bottom of next hour Matt Taylor will join us we'll get the voice of the Colts perspective on how things went about not just with Anthony Richardson's selection but Mate was on the airwaves covering the entirety of the NFL draft we'll have his conversation at the bottom of next hour but more on the Pacers how far away are they what does James like even if our dream doesn't come true which is a Wimbanyama arrival and a massive lottery hit we'll get James thoughts on that and more around the corner on the fan midday show 93.5107.5 the fan Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Jimmy Cook and James Boyd with Eddie Garrison on the Fan Midday Show. Every time I see the NBA playoffs on my television screen, it makes me long. It makes me long for the days where Gamebridge Fieldhouse will be on display and perhaps we can sneak in a Gus Johnson call here or there, or maybe it's Kevin Harlan. You pick your announcer, Mike Breen, back here in Indianapolis. But greener days ahead for the Pacers in that regard, at least you hope. A lot of it hinges on... Much like the Colts, what you do in yet a second offseason with opportunity to not just upgrade your roster, but take yourself to a place within the standings where you're back into a playoff contention mode. You're you're, you're shaking off and fully tossing to the side the rebuild label. And James, you obviously, like myself, like Eddie Garrison, massive NBA fan, but not only that, you covered the Pacers Mm -hmm. during your time here in Indiana before picking up the Colts beat with the Athletic 
I'm sure you've seen plenty of them this year mixed in with your, your Colts coverage where you can. When you look at the state of the roster, you look at their ability to get an extension out of Miles Turner during the course of the season and the core they have around with Bennett Mather and Tyrese Halliburton. Your overall thoughts on the Pacers roster right now and where you need to see changes this offseason. I know yeah, it's hard without the pick being known. But. Yeah, but I, I do think that you are ecstatic about the jump that Tyrese Halliburton made. He looks like he could be a perennial all-star. That's how good that guy is. I mean, 2010 and 40% from three is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, that's that's Insane. what you want. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, seriously, I think people don't realize to control a game like that that much is pretty crazy. And obviously, I think that the unique thing about Miles Turner's extension is that it's lined up in a way where he's rewarded, but also you still have, like, flexibility towards your future. Like, you know, in a few years when that contract is up, you're not tied to this guy for the next six, seven, you know, five, six, seven years. You have an out. You know, you have a chance to possibly go elsewhere. But I think that it was good to retain him for, at that price point. And um, obviously he loves probably staying in Indy and, and playing with Tyrese, which I think could attract free agents. The biggest thing for me is, like, what do you do at wing? What do you do on the perimeter to flank, you know, uh Tyrese, you can play Bendick Matherin alongside him, but you need a. I think in the playoffs, especially, it shows you need length, you need shooting, you need spacing, you need guys that can defend and knock down shots. And right now, they don't have a lot of that. They need that. And I thought that, you know, is a guy like Chris Duarte, is he around, you know, for the foreseeable future? He really struggled with the addition of Benedict Matherin. I love Chris. Um, I'll say this all the time. Chris was one of like the first players, in my the first to just call me by my name and like ask me how I was doing literally every single day, Jimmy. Like, you, yeah. it doesn't matter. Good, bad, ugly. Hey, James, how you doing? Um, talk about his family. He's a great person, great, you know, um, talent, I guess he showed as a rookie, but it, it didn't really, you know, pan out in that second year. He felt like the odd man out. Don't know what you do with that. And so I think that they should focus on through the draft, you know, whenever they do find their pick in free agency, how do we figure out how to add more length and shooting to this team um, because I mean quite honestly the Pacers could score with anybody it also couldn't defend it's like you need some guys on the perimeter that can stop yeah. someone I think that some of that is personal pride Benedict Matherin Tyrese Halliburton you guys have to be better on that side of the ball but then you also need help quite frankly because I can't expect you um, to be locked down defenders you need to go out and get those guys so you know OG and Anobi up there in Toronto Cam Johnson, yeah. who I'm sure the Nets will not move because he looked pretty good. But I'm just saying, like, you know. What if the phone call? It doesn't hurt to make a call right. I mean, those <laughs> guys like that, even if, I mean, I'm missing a few, I'm sure. Again, I'm not as engaged with the NBA as right. I, I usually used to be. However, um, that archetype, that, you know, that type of player is what you need, I think, to succeed and particularly get this team back to the playoffs. And, you know, I would love to see that intensity. And I, and I think that. You know, I had a chance to go to the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame a few weeks ago, um, take back all of my naive things I said about basketball in this state and who's better being from Illinois. And <laughs> Oh, Jimmy, I, I've had some, some mistakes in my life, man. But uh, <laughs> it was great. I think that going there, seriously, opened my eyes to how much it means in this state. Yeah. Seriously, and I know people say it's cliche. No, you go to that Basketball Hall of Fame and you read and you learn, you learn the history of what you're talking about. It really does mean a lot to this state. So if they can, you know, get some things right at this offseason and have a chance to make the playoffs next year, I think that that would really be cool to see um, because I think it gives hope to your franchise. It validates what you're doing, what you're building around with Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner and others, Benedict Matherin. And then it also shows, like, you know, this this city, like, 
as much as you care about the Colts and their their top dog as far as media coverage and all that, still a still a Hoosier town, man. They still love basketball. You mentioned Benning Matherin earlier in regard to the level of of confidence and 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 the blurred line at times between confidence and arrogance for a first year player. I, I would argue by the time we really got to know him, by the time he first laced him up, it became clear it was it was confidence over arrogance for him. But it's also a matter with the player of his skill set of continuing to not just add new tools to the arsenal, but also growing and, and improving on the areas that the coaching staff is telling you to, but also he was very honest within his uh, end-of-year exit interviews regarding where he needs to grow the most, particularly on the defensive end, not taking plays off. Where are your expectations for the 20-year-old as he enters his second year and what he needs to do this offseason to be the type of player the Pacers need him to be? I think that he has to get better conditioned because that's what ha- that's what helps. And you know, you go through your first season in the NBA. A lot of you know, I've heard this from different players where, you know, you're just not used to the grind of it. You know, if you have a good college season, you're playing 35 games or whatever. You're not playing 82. You're not you know doing four games in five nights. Um, which as a beat reporter, who's not flying with the team, it, it was rough sometimes. <laughs> um, I think that he has to get better conditioned, better shape. I think he has to take that challenge on. I think you can train defense with defensive slides, discipline, how you close out, things like that. And then also offensively, I think it's playmaking. The games I did watch, which I watch, you know, more often than not, um, because I still, you know, enjoy watching the Pacers because I like to keep up with those guys. It's the playmaking. You know, he can get to his spots. He can pretty much create a shot whenever he wants to. Um, I think early on it was very successful for him because teams didn't really know how to like defend him at first but as the season wore on and you beat that first guy and teams know oh we gotta get over because this guy's gonna finish over you know the next guy and they send two or three bodies at you you have to be able to play make I think that's the next step in his game you know you're asking a lot of him but I think that the great players are able to beat you not only by themselves like I'm not questioning his ability to score he can do that in his sleep but can you you know make two commit to you kick it to an open guy get a good look um, drop it off to your big man things like that that really keeps everyone else engaged as well and um, makes you even more of a threat because then you're not as predictable teams don't know what you're going to do you know when you drive or when you shoot and um, I'm excited about that and I would encourage anybody out there you know Caitlin Cooper she knows a lot more about this than me you know, make sure you check out her stuff and, and read her stuff because it's very informative, in my opinion. And I think that uh, she's always done a great job breaking that stuff down. But those are the glimpses that I've seen or the areas I think that he has to improve on. And I think that he will improve on because he has that competitive fire. One of the greatest stories I remember about covering him was when Carl was saying after they worked him out before the draft, he was so mad that he didn't you know make him out enough threes during this drill that they do to ring the bell. And so he came back that night you know, to ring the bell and, and worked out again. This is before he even made the team, before he got drafted, before he knew he was coming to Indy. I think that was what sold them on him is that he works. And so um, I wouldn't put it past Benedict Mather and have a really significant jump from year one to year two um, after having the experience he had this year. I'm right there with you. And it, it feels like the accountability is there from the example that you just gave before it was even a part of the Pacers to just the ability to acknowledge it all when you have those exit interviews, when you're able to close everything down for the season and decompress and self-evaluate where you're at. The old adage, of course, is, right, well, words are words, but we need to see it put forth on the court. And if you are going to look at it from that perspective, I think he's more than capable of it. 
We've praised the coaching staff in the past. I believe it's the right environment for this core to grow around. And even though the clock is ticking a little bit in terms of where your financials are with Tyrese Halliburton, but by all accounts, the Pacers will, will get that done and he'll be a part of this core for the long term. But when you have that kind of bankability and the essence of your roster to keep guys like Buddy Heal to make an extension for Miles Turner, how aggressive does this transformation happen in one season versus what they're able to complement them with in this rookie class and can Kevin Pritchard hit it out of the park once more is all fair questions, but all tasks that I believe this Pacers group is up for. Yeah. And I think this is a deep class. I think there's a lot of talent, um, you know, guys that could be perennial all-stars. You got to see where the ping pong balls bounce. I'm not ruling out Victor. Because, I mean, why not? Why not? You yeah. didn't make the playoffs. Keep hope alive. Why not people. us? <laughs> right. I mean, look, again, I'm, I'm from the Chicago area. I'm from Romanville, Illinois. I grew up as a Bulls fan. And the year they got Derrick Rose is like the number one pick. It was like, a I don't know, a less than 1% chance yes. of it happening. Yes. So if you got a chance, Jimmy, there's a chance out there, my man. But um, we'll, we'll see. I do think that KP um, has done a lot to change this franchise because when I started covering them last season – you know, at the beginning of 2021, there were so many question marks about where they were going. And then for him to flip DeMontis Sabonis into Tyrese Halliburton, into Benedict Mather, like into these pieces that now make sense and fit better, retaining Miles Turner, things like that. Um, even, you know, looking at a guy like Isaiah Jackson, can he continue to develop? You know, he's still so young, so young. Yeah. I, you know, I think he's what? I don't even know if he's 22 yet. And he's played two NBA seasons so he's a, he's a young guy Andrew Nimhard you know he looks like a, a, the, the point guard that's going to help you um, for years and years and years to come and in my opinion I think that he's the type of player where you're going to be very fortunate to have him because he can be a starter on, on pretty much any other NBA team if he continues his development so the, the Pacers I'm sure would love to keep him around because of his size his ability to play defense to run an offense to make shots that matters you look at Jordan Nora who got really got his first opportunity to play, showed promise. Aaron Neesmith the same way. So there's pieces there, but again, you need some bigger. And by bigger, I mean just wings. Like you need guys with long wingspans who can knock down threes, who can defend, and just make life easier for you when you you know your defense does break down. So Miles Turner doesn't have to block every single shot for you to have a chance to you know to compete on defense. Because I think that's the biggest thing for me is, you know. Yes, you want to find a star player. You want to find someone who can, you know, help this franchise get off the ground. But also, you got to retool some things to figure out how can we get better on that side of the ball. Because with Tyrese running the show, with the pace you play at, you shouldn't have too many issues scoring the ball. And then Buddy, he's always gonna. He's what I call like, like a surefire type of player. Like you know, Buddy's gonna make threes. Like you don't have to worry about that ever really fluctuating. Like you know, he's gonna make two hundred threes every season as long as he's healthy. Because that's what he does. That's his specialty. That's what he's great at. Um, but can you find other guys who are great at you know the defensive things, who are great at the corner three? I mean, look at every three and D guy in the NBA. They just knock down the corner three and lock down the other guy on the other end, and that matters a lot. Yeah. That's James Boyd. I am Jimmy Cook. Still to come here on the Fan Midday Show, Matt Taylor going to join us bottom of next hour. But coming up on the other side, we'll reevaluate our draft grades for the Colts. We'll get Eddie Garrison's perspective on that as well. And plus... Did the Colts inadvertently, despite their best efforts, put too much pressure on Anthony Richardson already? Oh, we'll evaluate that around the corner on the Fan Midday Show. <laughs> Fan Midday Show, Jimmy Cook and James Boyd, Eddie Garrison behind the ones and twos. 
Colts draft in the rear view, but still plenty to dissect with where they go from here. And as we do that, we mentioned it before we went to commercial break. You outline the proper way, James, to sell to a fan base, a young quarterback. You want to preach patience. You want to let everybody know it's not going to happen overnight. And after the selection was made and in the post-draft press conferences, Chris Ballard did just that. To, to a T, as as clean as you could have asked for if you're the head of a PR firm, Chris, you nailed it. You hit every point that we wanted you to do. You're right. Not going to be Superman right away. Is that Jim Ursay's music? It is. <laughs> the owner, which again, I, I'm at a point where any tweet from Jim Ursay makes me smile, makes me laugh, because he is, if nothing else, not passive about how he feels about the team. He's going to be willing to spend. And there's a lot of owners around the league where you don't get that. But we joked about it. Sometimes it's to a fault where you have confirmation from the owner. Does it mean anything? Eh, probably not. It's going to be Shane Steichen's decision and Chris Bauer's decision. Confirmation from the owner. Anthony Richardson's going to play this year. And confirmation that eh, had they had the number one overall pick, Anthony Richardson was their guy. Lots to unpack there from Jim Ursay as his I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into <laughs> sausage. But I do know how to build a football team. That night, oh my goodness, you're bringing back <laughs> memories and, and, and nightmares and how sleep-deprived I was. Quick aside, that night was probably the most <laughs> unbelievable moment of my journalism career. I remember thinking, this is actually real. This is actually happening. Yeah. But Fast forward a few months, and now you have a quarterback who is going to have high expectations. I mean, I don't really mind Jim Ursay saying it because it's what everyone's going to say anyways. Right. It's just funny. This is mainly tug-in-cheek of you exactly. know, the owner. It's just hilarious that, again, you just – Jim Ursay has a tendency to just come in sometimes, just knock everything off the table that they perfectly set up for him. Yep. Um, where they tee up a shot, and he just, like, kicks the tee ball over or something like that, the tee ball stand over because he just doesn't um, – you know, hold his tongue. And one thing I do, I will always respect about him is that good, bad, ugly, he faces the music. Mm -hmm. He he likes people to know what he's thinking. I think it's important for us as reporters and even as fans to understand like, okay, even if you don't agree and you get mad and you get upset or whatever, at least he's like saying what his reasoning is or talking about it. Because some owners you never hear from ever. And they try to GM out there, the coach to say everything. And it's like, no, some of these decisions aren't yours. We know it's the owner's decision. So he, you know, he's honest about that. And so I do think in regard to Anthony Richardson, I think that he's his makeup will matter a lot as far as his mentality because as much as you try to avoid it, as much as you want to say he's not a superhero, and he's not. I think he's far from that right now. Um, the only superhero I know in the NFL consistently is Patrick Mahomes, really. Um but this franchise, the weight of the quarterback position is just different to me than others. You know, again, I come from the Chicago area, the Bears, who, you know, when they were pretty good, you know, when I was growing up as a kid and made it to the Super Bowl to lose to the lovely Colts. I was scarred as a kid, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought when Devin Hester ran it back, it was destiny, baby. And sure. Peyton Manning reminded me, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'm the sheriff. I've run this. But again, I think that those teams were defined by defense, right? That's kind of their identity of their franchise. The Steelers are a similar type of way. Um, the Colts are a quarterback franchise. They've been defined by great quarterbacks. And so 
I think that that weight is a little bit different here than had he gone to, you know, Cleveland or Jacksonville where, you know, you might not have had, you know, a guy really become on that Mount Rushmore type. And I think, again, Andrew Luck walked away from, from the game very early, but it's very rare to see somebody like him come in and be as good as he was right away. So um, don't expect that. But I do think, again, it'll matter that Anthony Richardson, how he handles the pressure, the lights, all of those things, because no matter where he goes, what he does, if he's still with this franchise, he's going to get compared to two guys who were the best ever. I get it. Andrew Luck walked away from the game very early, but he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory had he not walked away. Yep. And so those are the shoes you're trying to fill. But, I mean, I love that Jim Irsay says everything that, uh, you know, he probably shouldn't say maybe sometimes because it makes for a – Good sound bites, I guess. But also, again, I appreciate an owner facing the music, at least giving us a window into his thought process. I thought he even said that, too, when he was asked about what would I what would have happened like if uh, Anthony Richardson wasn't there for you guys at four. He goes, I think I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I, we would have gone with Will Levis. I was like, then why did you even say it? Jim? <laughs> I was thinking, oh, my goodness. Wow. Like he actually did it. But even then, I, but, to your point, though, Eddie. He gave great insight about his his doubts about Richardson as well. He was like, I sat down with Shane Steichen. I told him, hey, why do you believe in this guy? Because it was really a Shane Steichen pick. Like, he pushed for And it should have been. Right, in, exactly. In my mind. That's why you yeah. hire him. Yeah. You, you trust that he yes. can develop quarterbacks. That's, that's what he's done throughout his career. But I applaud Jim for at least, you know, peeling back the curtain and saying, yeah, I had my doubts too. I was telling him, why should we pick this guy? He only has 13 starts. His accuracy, I get his on-target percentage is higher, but still there's questions about that. His touch, I remember at the combine, he, someone asked him about throwing a better touch. And he's like, I don't care how hard I throw, you better catch it. And it's like, you can't say that, you know, and <laughs> things like that. And so um, he was able to kind of calm some of his nerves about the decision because he was able to walk, work, work through with Shane Steichen. And again, hearing that perspective gives us better context to understand why you were better about it. Now, do I believe that Jim Irsay was in on him as far back as February? I don't know about that because your first press conference with Shane Steichen, you mentioned the Alabama guy. Alabama, right, so I'm like, yep, wait yep. a second. No, 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 Jim. Like, you did not say the Florida guy. You said the Alabama guy. So there's something to that. Smoke screen. Um, exactly. So you had to peel through and piece through some of this that stuff. That was my joke. He was playing chess. Oh, he just, my throw, goodness, he just throw him out. I was thinking, this guy here, man. And whenever you go back through the transcriptions and we got to write all this stuff up, you can't help but, like, laugh because there's a lot of, you know, what is he saying? Why does this matter? That's irrelevant. And then he drops a nugget in there. I mean, he. one of my questions to him about why he thought Anthony Richardson just mentally was able to be the guy, he went on a tangent about how he talked to Marvin Harrison for a very long time about someone he couldn't name. And I was like, hmm, who could that be? I'm guessing at the time before the draft, it was C.J. Stroud and that son of his who may or may not be the top wide receiver in next year's draft. Yep. So. Yeah, well done by you on that, on that, on that path. <laughs> but you mentioned the stuff about Manning and Luck, and it, it's very real. Like, this is not just something that is going to happen on the fan. It's going to happen depending on how quickly Richardson blooms, and it's already happened just by a CBS Sports tweet the second he was drafted, which is, and it's unnecessary, like it's a fact, but it's clear what you're trying to do when you put list of Colts quarterbacks taken and it was you know last three quarterbacks it's like oh there you go Peyton Manning Andrew Luck Anthony Richardson so and that's just you know a, a fact and a social media person for CBS just you know put it out there mm. it, they know it's going to get engagement but 
that is to your point about what has defined this franchise and it's defined so many successful franchises, but there are unique identities. You mentioned the Ravens, the Steelers, like defensive backbones with good quarterbacks mixed in as well. Mm -hmm. But it's been elite level, otherworldly QBs for this generation of Colts fans. That has been what they're accustomed to. And with all the hype around Richardson, even if it is with some tempered expectations of he's raw, he, isn't even able to legally drink yet. Like it's going to take some time for his maturation process, but fans are unique. We all in this room are fans in some regard, even Mm -hmm. if we separate it in our day-to-day job, it's tough to have that level of understanding that this might be a process when what you want him to be is the next hall of fame QB in this league. And I think that is where Colts fans have been spoiled in Mm -hmm. that sense, where you've never really had to, like bet on someone you knew for the most part that Peyton Manning, not to the extent of Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck is probably the best modern era prospect at quarterback that we've seen as far as traits, ability, proving it on tape. No one had any doubts about him being good in the NFL at all. Peyton, there was, a, you know, the Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning, is his arm strong enough? Is he athletic enough? Those types of things. But again, when you got the guy, you knew that, okay, we got a guy. You don't really know that, Anthony Richardson. You hope that. Um, as a reporter, it would be cool to cover a great quarterback and see that that kind of manifest itself. But, again, it's just not a surefire thing. Like, what Andrew Luck did was very, very, very rare in the sense that he came in um, to a team, again, and his was even more on the nose because it's like we shipped – and Peyton Manning out for you. Mm-hmm. We've tipped out the greatest player in our franchise history, the guy who has a statue out there for you. And so it's not that, you know, close. But again, Anthony Richardson, you're you're going to be the answer. You're, you're looked at as the answer since, you know, Andrew Luck basically sent the team into this tailspin. You're supposed to be the guy that, you know, grabs the wheel and, and gets us straight and gets us back on the road to the upper quartile of the upper quartile oh you beat me to it. The, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness eddie when i heard that oh my goodness well it's our new podcast name with the athletic it'll get switched over officially later this uh this nice. summer but um thought i'd have some fun with it but again i do think again colts fans have been spoiled in that sense this is a welcome to the rest of the nfl moment where you have to take swings on guys you're not absolutely sure on there's not gonna be a lot of joe burrow trevor lawrence prospects i mean caleb williams yeah, he's great. You would love to maybe be a year late and with 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 this whole process and draft him or whatever. But there's no guarantees. You got a guy who's unlike anything you've ever seen before. You yeah. got the coach who you believe in, who has proven he can work with a variety of quarterbacks. And um, I mean, and you brought that up earlier. It'd be easy, very easy for a franchise to sit back and say we're waiting a year had the quarterback class been what we had last year had it been Kenny Pickett headlining that class you would understand from a Colts fan we were bad at the wrong time there's not really an avenue for us to get a young quarterback to believe in we'll take best available this class even though every year everybody including the national pundits do a great job of overselling QBs to a Mm -hmm. point that okay maybe not all four of these guys are going to be franchise quarterbacks in Richardson Young Stroud and Levis but that picture was painted, and there's enough data to back it up this year. Versus last year, you could have made a case if this was the 2022 draft for the Colts, and this was the year they were behind the eight ball, hungry for a quarterback, but there wasn't a door. Right. Then you could do it versus to what you mentioned earlier. 
there is too much upside or value in taking a quarterback this year, particularly of Anthony Richardson's billables, that exactly. if you're right, he is going to be as talented as as the class next year. If, if he reaches what people truly believe he can be, that's his ceiling. It's a big if. I understand that, yeah. but man, this is why I love what I do. You get a <laughs> chance to you know, see what happens, how it all comes together. Again, I'm curious to see how he is after that first big win, that first big loss, um, and, and how do you deal with trying to get better each and every year. Even from what we've seen on tape from last season to whenever he sees the field this season in training camp and eventually games, how does your tape look? How does your decision-making look? You know, And one thing that Thor touched on earlier was he's got the stuff you can't teach the pocket awareness, you know, you really can't teach that. I've asked coaches about that, and depending on who I guess the, the quarterback is, maybe they maybe they'll say, "Yeah, you can teach that." Nah, you really can't. It's it's it's, it's sort of an innate thing, and you also can't teach his size, his speed, his arm strength. I mean, I'll go back to the combine. Will Levis was saying his one of his biggest traits was his cannon arm, and I was like, Richardson's cannon is bigger. Like, and not no offense to you, but I mean, everything he does looks easy Um, and it's not easy. I think that that's one of the things I do want to dive into with him is when you get introduced to a player like him with his talent level, maybe on the surface, it looks like it was easy to get there. But what did you have to do? What did you work on? I think that that's something I don't want to discredit about him is that he's not a hard worker, for instance, or he doesn't work on his game because he was blessed with so many physical tools. Like, I'm sure he's worked a ton on his game. It's just that, again, he has a chance to do it even more and really do it full-time now because as, as, that's his job at this point. And the last thing I'll hit on is one thing that stood out to me in his uh, letter from the Players' Tribune, he was saying, I didn't grow up going to all these elite camps. I couldn't afford to do that. My family didn't have the, the, the time or the resources to do those things. So he's still learning how to be a quarterback, how to do all these things, whereas C.J. Stroud – I'm not I'm sorry, not C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young – his situation is totally different where yeah. he was able to go to every single camp. He's been great all his life. He's, you know, learning how to do like Anthony Richardson was a little bit different, had a different path to get to where they're going, you know, both in the NFL now. And so I'm curious to see having just nothing on his mind, but football, what that does for him. When I look at the recent echelon of quarterbacks, there's always a great top tier weapon Attached to them, and That's I'm gonna, and I'm going to shrink this down to the last three seasons. Even though obviously Tyreek Hill would have been that and was that for Mahomes is Travis Kelsey, for Joe Burrow it's Jamar Chase, and then you look at going to go get a guy when you didn't have it previously. For Josh Allen, they go get Stephon Diggs. For the Eagles, they go get AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the Colts need to do that this year, but when you look at this receiving room right now. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is a talented NFL wide receiver. I do. I don't put him in that same class of true number ones like your Chases, like your Diggs, like your Tyreeks, like your Waddles, like your Chases. I'm not saying he can't get there, but I'm a I'm a doubting Thomas in that regard. I need to see it. Right? I'm one of those people, particularly with receivers, I need to see it. But with where the receiver room is now, with him, with Pierce, with them going to get McKenzie, with the idea of Josh Downs maybe starting right away as a rookie is there enough there in that receiver room right now or would you like to see more in the future with how Ballard builds around the Anthony Richardson era 
Yeah, I think that you're okay right now. You'd like to see, obviously, a, a dynamic type of player. Marvin Harrison Jr. for listening. Uh, join that team next and you season. Thought, you thought Jim Mercer was crazy this draft. Just wait till next year. Oh my goodness! And just like the, don't even get me started. Like with the Arch Manning things and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, that would be a totally different thing because mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson would not have worked out at that point. But um, jokes aside, I do think that you made a good point about Michael Pittman Jr. I'll say this: We asked the same question to Chris Ballard. Is he a number one? And he didn't say he was. He's like, oh, I don't know. Once you start hemming and hawing, that means to me in your eyes he's not. Because if you ask, you know, the Bills, who's, if he's the number one, everyone in the room is going to look at you like you're crazy. Yes, he is. Jamar Chase, yes, he is. Devontae Adams, yes, he is. Now, again, those are the elite of the elite. And so um, even, you know, D-Hop, do you look, take a look at him? Like, is, is he available for, you know, a pick or two or whatever? Um, but the bottom line is I do think that that should be a priority for them moving forward because you have to surround your quarterback with talent. Peyton Manning had it. He didn't win the Super Bowl on his own. He didn't you know, become a Hall of Famer on his own. He had help. Marvin Harrison Jr., Reggie Wayne are two of the best ever outside of just the Colts franchise, period. They're two of the best receivers ever to play in the NFL. And so, again, it matters. But I think that they're okay now. Worry about your development at the moment, bolstering your offensive line, and then maybe next season do you look at how do we acquire more talent for that room, um, someone who could really, really um, just stress the defense. Because I don't think anybody does that right now in that room. Um, no disrespect to Michael Pittman Jr., who's been good. And who knows? One thing I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give him some slack for is he hasn't had yeah. a quarterback. That whole receiver room last year was handcuffed to some extent exactly. by what was on so the field of quarterback. Yeah. Does his career yeah. look different if he has you know someone who just looks you know competent back there and the same guy is back there and he's able to build that chemistry and have that success? Um, I don't think Pittman's the fastest guy. He's Mr. Reliable, but when you look at like where they were at their best – and it, there weren't a ton of it, but in the in the, in the Carson Wentz tenure and in the Matt Ryan tenure, a guy that always knows where the sticks are is going to go up and, and win those 50-50 balls for you. And I do think it's a fair point of when he gets a upper echelon quarterback, how does that receiver room automatically get elevated? Yeah. I mean, he was probably the most upset, I'd imagine, with how the last season went because so much changed – and as much as those guys stood in there and said everything, um, you know, the right way, you know, in the back of their minds, are thinking, what are we doing? We, we're starting three different quarterbacks. We're changing coaches every single week. How am I supposed to succeed in this? How am I supposed to, you know, help this team get better? And so um, that's a big point. But I do think that Pittman, it's interesting, it's interesting as well to see if he resigns too and gets an extension. Like right. that's also a thing. Jonathan Taylor as well. Like, what do you do with those contracts? But Pittman in particular, he's gonna want, I would imagine, like twenty million a year. Do you give it to him? Do you not? I mean, it's a premium position. Do you have to overpay? Because I think that sometimes you do to like make sure your team sustains a certain level of of, of play. Christian Kirk might have been overpaid for the Jaguars, but mm-hmm. they don't regret it now because he helped them win, you know, a playoff game. So. We'll see. The question that I had that started coming into my mind as the draft was going along and all this was starting to unfold, is there more pressure on Shane Steichen to develop Anthony Richardson or is there more pressure on Anthony Richardson to develop into that franchise quarterback? Because all the labelings that we have been able to put on Shane Steichen as a guy who can develop any type of quarterback, 
Now he's got to prove it because this is a guy that he wanted. Like this is the guy yeah. that just screams Shane Steichen because it's not a typical Chris Ballard guy. Yeah, and I thought it was very interesting because the three things that Shane Steichen said in the accident this is his first press conference. What do you look for in a quarterback? He said accuracy, decision making, and ability to create. You know, I believe that Richardson has pretty good decision making, got better as the season went on. I know he had 17 touchdowns against nine interceptions. That went to like 12 and two towards the back half of the season. So he's a, he's a pretty good decision maker. Ability to create, obviously, accuracy, not so much. But like, why were you willing to give that up? Were you willing to bet on yourself and your ability to help him get better? But to your point, Eddie, I think that the pressure is always going to be on the guy who's on the field and fans aren't going to, they'll, they'll run and say, Oh, this coach, this, whatever. But the bottom line is the players are the ones that go out there and, and fair or not, they're going to be the ones that get critiqued and criticized or praised or glorified. So we'll see. I'm glad we did this because we finally have our first chasm within, within our friendly pleasantries here, because well, I do agree with you that it's always about the players on the field. I, I agree with the last bit that Eddie mentioned there and why I'm going to say more pressures on Shane Steichen is because this happened with Reich. Right or wrong, we started uh, to get into this territory of the ability to develop quarterbacks. This guy's a quarterback whisperer. That hasn't been labeled as much on Steichen, but the parallels are there. Look what he did with Rivers. Look what he did with Herbert. Look what he did with Hertz. And now, as a coach, he should have, and he did. Clearly, he did. Like It was obviously a Ballard, Ursay, Steichen decision together. Who had the bigger say is an argument for another day. But clearly the head coach wants the style of quarterback that fits his offense the most. He should have had the largest say in that. And I think that's ultimately what happened. And if that is what happened, if Steichen does not produce, not right away, like I think you and I agree on this part of it. It's a three-year timeline at minimum for most drafted players, particularly at the quarterback position. I need growth over the course of three years to prove that what the Colts are building is correct. And if through three years it's not there... And it's obvious that he wasn't the right guy for you. There I'm more so questioning not only Richardson as the player, but more so the coach that we've now married ourselves to with all these promises of he can be the next great coach like an Andy Reid, like a Doug Peterson, like a Bill Belichick, then get the most out of your quarterbacks. And that's just modern era coaches there. Jimmy was cooking. <laughs> no pun intended right there. That was, that was good. I, li- I like that. And I, I honestly think that's... Well, we need to have these conversations, so oh, yeah. it helps my insight. And I might go back and think, okay, I didn't think of it from that perspective. So that's a very good perspective. I'll add this. I think that you need to see – I keep making Bears references, but like Justin I Fields. I make Chiefs references all the time. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> but you look at Justin Fields, you saw like growth last season. Yes. Like you saw enough, and it was enough for the Bears to say, no, we're not going to you know, get Bryce Young. We're going to roll with our guy. But you saw – Development. You saw progress. Was it pretty? No. They only won three games last year. But again, I think you need to see similar things with Richardson from year one to year two, year two to year three, where you're able to say, okay, he's getting better. There are signs of this, whether it's the 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 lucidness running, whether it's you know the decision making through the air, whether obviously it's the accuracy, um, you know, an ability to to win a few games and have at least moments where you're like, okay, we see why we picked him like the reasons the potential we're seeing it's not just potential anymore it's becoming a real more tangible thing because i've said this a thousand times over probably written a thousand times over everyone loves upside and potential until you don't reach it and then they hate it 
And it's like, why would you go for that project anyways? Why would you go for this guy? Oh, I said the P word. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, why would you go for this guy who isn't, you know, uh, as, far, as far along? And, and again, you love that stuff. I mean, it was similar last year to the Pacers. Everyone loved Shaden Sharp because he was the mystery athletic kid who and again he might end up being a superstar if you're asking yeah. for like traits on a basketball court he has them he's he's in that one percent athlete like anthony richardson where he just does things and everything looks easy but is he you know will he help your team right now probably not like you have to give him time to develop and i think that's similar with anthony richardson but you just want to see signs and i'm sure we'll see flashes of it throughout this first season because he's 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 the type of player you can't see flashes, you can just can't not see flashes in. He's gonna do something that makes you think, oh wow, like man, maybe they do yeah. have this thing figured out. But it's all about consistency and seeing it. I guess more um, consistent on tape. And then again, how do you handle the zoo that comes along with being a franchise quarterback? Because this is the first time I haven't even touched on this. First time in his life, he's gonna be outside of Florida. It's true. Like he's bringing his mom and his brother and his, you know, and his, and his, his whole council basically is coming up here to help him to basically insulate him and get him focused and, and kind of keep him on the right path. But that's, that's an adjustment too. I remember moving out for the first time and, and that wasn't an easy thing. He'll probably have better food than me, you know, cause he's going to have a chef or something. I was, I was trying to figure out how to make, you know, any, any meal. And my, my grandma said, if you can read, you can cook. So I figured it out, <laughs> but um, that's another factor to this for sure. Yeah. I will leave you with this as we get to Matt Taylor in just a second. To your Bears, why neither one of us might be right in that whole discussion. They take Trubisky. Matt Nagy's there with him. Trubisky flames out. Matt Nagy, one year later, he's shown the door. Whether or not Matt Nagy fully was involved with picking Trubisky is another story. But either way, once the franchise QB goes, usually the coach is the one that follows. With James Boyd, I am Jimmy Cook. Coming up next... Long-awaited conversation with the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He had it covered from all angles on draft night. We'll get inside the Colts' perspective on their draft after this on the Fan Midday Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Fan Midday Show, DriveHuber.com Studios. Thanks for hanging with us. Jimmy Cook and James Boyd, Eddie Garrison, guiding us through the afternoon. Our next guest is the radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts. It's one Matt Taylor. Matt, can I interest you in some 2024 mock drafts? Oh please God! Oh, geez. oh my God! It hasn't even. It's been like forty. It's been like forty hours. Okay, it's too soon, man. Way too soon on that bad boy. Couldn't help myself. Couldn't help myself. Uh, have you got any sleep yet? Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit. Uh, I mean, yesterday was a good day to kind of 
relax and decompress and then also just kind of uh, sift through all the the rubble, if you will, with 12 draft picks for the weekend and then nine on, on Saturday. So uh, got um, reacquainted with my family yesterday during the day, and then when the when the dust settled on the day, went back to work and tried to uh, figure out who these guys are in a little bit more detail, find out uh, where they come from, and kind of d- uh, digging into their stories a little bit. But it's, it's fun. I mean, it's the highest uh, amount of, of drafted players for the Colts since uh, 1992, uh, the most they've ever drafted in a seven-round format. So from that standpoint, it's it's fun and and to be understandable a little bit, considering you're coming off a you know a four twelve and one season. You know, whenever that happens, you know, I don't know what the right word is, rebuild, you know, reset, whatever. But um, no question, the Colts are uh, you know putting a lot of young guys in the blender and and seeing what uh, you know, what it tastes like coming out the other end. Matt, so I was obviously there uh, throughout draft week, my first time rookie initiation. It was rough, man. I was thinking, what in God's name do you all do to yourselves? Way to go. <laughs> every every year I was thinking, wow, this is a lot. But um, I've asked other people, you know, this on the beat. What is your sense of just where the Colts are at as far as maybe relief and having a decision be made, not only at quarterback position, but just other picks in? Like things are to the point now where you have what you chose and you can work with it rather than speculate on who's going to trap to number yeah. three, for instance. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, you know, what, I think that the biggest thing the Colts, you know, instilled in their fan base um, this past weekend is just some answers and just a level of hope and optimism, mm-hmm. considering the, the carousel the team was on at quarterback. And, and uh, you know, they went bold. They went convicted. And the fact that they stayed at four and drafted a quarterback, but also in the guy that they picked up, right, and Anthony Richardson with his, you know, thin resume coming out of college and, um, you know, just not having a lot of starts under his belt. So the Colts feeling good and convicted about the player, about the person, and just investing, obviously, a lot of their franchise in his development, and we'll see kind of where it goes. But um, also, too, I just think the Colts got a lot better, um, you know, after the draft. I mean, obviously the plan is for Richardson you know, to be the long-term stable answer at quarterback and for him to hopefully grow into a special player. But I think the Colts adding a pair of – potential starters on Friday um, on the defensive side of the ball with Brent, then on the offensive side of the ball with Josh Downs. That's exciting. I think you just needed more top-end players, right? You just needed more top-end difference makers, and I think the Colts did that, especially on Thursday night and, and Friday night. So, um, again, that's that's what I think the Colts have just needed is, is um, you know, more playmakers, especially on offense, right? So quarterback, check, Right, a playmaker in the passing game that fits the Shane Steichen offense and his uh, history of success, and um, you know, working with a guy like Jalen Hurts, and then Josh Downs, uh, I think can be a starter. I really do. I think he can come in and play. And you know, this is a guy that caught over a thousand yards in each of the last two years in major college football there at North Carolina. Um, and then I think again, you you drafted at least one starting cornerback. Um, probably in Julius Brents, who's big, he's long, he's physical, he's fast. Um, and and also, too, on Saturday, their first pick, you added some much-needed, very much-needed depth at tackle along mm-hmm. the offensive line, and uh, Blake Freeland, he's not a project, right? He's ready to go in terms of being able to compete right away and maybe push a guy like Bernard Ryman. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But at worst, I think the Colts right there with that pick identified their swing tackle, that's really big because before the draft, 
you know, we were just kind of thinking out loud, like hypothetically, if the Colts were to play a game on April 22nd or whatever, um, and if if uh, Bernard Ryman's not ready to go or can't play in that game, you know, who's who's going to play left tackle? Well, I think Freeland gives you an option there because he has played right side, he has played left side, um, he's played both at the college game and he's played at a high level, over 40 starts at tackle in the or at the college game at BYU including 26 straight starts the last two years at left tackle. So I think, again, long story short, premium players at premium positions, I think in that regard the Colts got a lot better this weekend. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, taking some time with us. Matt, take us through the lead-up and by this quantifying of time that's been lost to all of us with different mock drafts (laughs) and picks and announcements and some barbecue for those that were in Kansas City. Take us through the selection of Anthony Richardson in real time for you covering it here on these very airwaves. Uh, well, I found out I found out raw and, and organically like everybody else. I mean, maybe a handful of seconds before the pick went went off, but not by a lot. I mean, I, I mean, really, I think the Colts took this thing all the way kind of down to the wire. And I also think, you know, to give them credit, um, I think only a handful of people in the inner, inner, inner circle, if you will, in the building um, knew about the pick and knew about the Colts' uh, comfort level in the pick, you know, only a handful of days before the draft. And that's a good thing, right, because you don't want stuff getting out. You don't want teams finding out uh, rumors and uh, insider information to kind of screw with your board. So I thought how the Colts handled it was just perfect. I mean, if, if in fact, you know, Jim Irsay is, is, um, is, is dead on when he says, you know, I had the Colts had the number one pick in the draft, they probably still would have drafted Anthony Richardson. Well, you don't want anybody to know that because you're sitting there at four, and you don't want you don't want to have teams saying, "Well, what do the Colts know that that we don't?" Right. So, uh, I thought the way they handled it was just beautiful. Um, but yeah, we were on 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 radio, you know, doing our draft show, and like I said, maybe a handful of seconds before the pick goes out, I got privy to it. Um, but I definitely didn't know before the first round started. I can tell you that. And so from that standpoint, I'm glad I didn't know. Because, like, there's very few moments, James, maybe you can speak to this as well. Like, there's very few moments um, doing this job and, and kind of, like, being in this profession where you can still have that, like, organic, uh, you know, holy cow type of moment as a fan or as an as a observer or a, an onlooker, right? So um, I'm glad that I, for the most part, was pretty ignorant to the pick because that made it more fun, right? That made it more uh, entertaining and, and enjoyable um, as the night went on. So it's exciting. We'll see kind of where it goes. And I know the million-dollar question now is, is um, you know, is he going to play right away? Is he going to be the starter on, Tell us. on day one? Come week? on, Matt. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get there. We'll graduate to that conversation. But it's exciting because at least uh, on paper, the plan is for Anthony Richardson to give this team stability and some foundational success at quarterback that they haven't had since August 24th of 2019. But who's counting, right? <laughs> wow, I remember the date and everything. So let me ask you this. I know Juju Brents is a Indy native. I don't know if you knew about him on the prep scene at Warren Central, but how cool is it just from your perspective to be able to cover a kid, I guess, similar to me, and, and talk about a kid on the airwaves who grew up in this town Possibly listening to you, listening to other people, you know, talk yeah. about Bob Sanders and Peyton Manning. He was saying he wore Pop, Bob Sanders' jersey as a kid, and now he's hoping to go out there and lay some wood like Bob used to do. 
Yeah, it's a great story. Uh, funny you say that because tomorrow, uh, if I could pub up what we're doing on our podcast tomorrow this week, we're actually going to talk with Jason West, uh, his high school football coach nice. at Warren Central. Uh, he's now at Franklin Central, uh, West that is, but obviously he coached Brents uh, when he was in high school there with the Warriors. And, uh, you know, Casey Vallier and I were doing a little bit of digging. Casey dug up the fact that uh, Brents is the 11th different uh, player from Warren Central ever to uh, play in the NFL, or I guess he will be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 11th different player from Warren to to go to the NFL. And funny enough, six of those 11 have played with the Colts. Uh, so, so there's some history there uh, with that program in Indianapolis, right? You had Krishan Hogan and Deshaun Bond and uh, the running back Evans, Jeff George, obviously the number one pick back in the 90s. Um, so that that part of it's really, really cool. So he's a guy that I think if, if we were betting right now on the player that was drafted over the weekend that has the best chance to be a starter on day one, he's probably the guy that I would go with. I know mm-hmm. he's kind of dealing with that wrist injury. Uh, and I say that, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Richardson and where his acclimation is going to be and his progress in this offense in the offseason. <laughs> But I'm just saying as of right now, you know, 40 hours after the draft, um, he's a guy that I think you should be comfortable with, at least on paper, being out there to play in the base defense on the outside. He's really physical, good in the running game. He can tackle. um, And if he does become an opening day starter, again, he's going to do it without playing a lot in the uh, the, the spring here with that wrist. But um, I know the Colts like the fact that he gutted through most of the season last year because he hurt that wrist week one and then played with it pretty much the entire season and addressed it. He had surgery after the combine to, again, put his best foot forward in the pre-draft process. So I think Brent has the best shot, I think, of this rookie class to be a day one, week one starter based on his production and how the Colts kind of view him with his short area quickness. He's long, he's big, he's tall, he's physical. So from that standpoint, I think he kind of projects pretty well to this defense under Gus Bradley. Matt, the defensive tackle out of Northwestern, out of Timo Adabare, were you surprised that he was available for the Colts? A lot of different analysts were with how he fell, and whether you were surprised or not, how will he fit in with the Colts as you project out this two- to three-year development process for, for any draft pick? Yeah, I, I was, just because of how well he tested and his production in college and the combine numbers and all of that. I mean, 33 games there at Northwestern. Um, you know, was a team captain. So, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, holes in his resume um, and, and kind of what you targeted in a player. So, from that standpoint, yeah, I was surprised that he was there in the fourth round. As it projects to the Colts, I think he's kind of like one of those tweener guys that the Colts really like. You know, Ballard loves guys that are quick enough to play defensive end, but big enough and strong enough to slide inside and play defensive tackle if need be, right? You have guys like Dio Dangbo, uh, Danico Autry back in the day, Taekwon Lewis. I think the only difference here is that, you know, if you had to, I guess, peg him uh, one way or another, he might be one of those guys that's probably more so an inside guy, right? A three technique that can also play outside if you need him to, whereas a Dangbo is kind of the other way around. But, yeah, definitely a guy that's a tweener. And, um, you know, he's a senior bowl guy. So, again, just the resume just kind of screams Colt guy with traits and his testing numbers. I mean, just remarkable. The first player ever to weigh in over 280 pounds and run a sub-4-4 
four five forty yard dash. I mean, think about that. Like sub four five is like a receiver. That's like Josh Downs, and he's doing it weighing over a hundred pounds <laughs> more than some of these running backs and 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 scat back wide receivers, if you will. So just an, a freak athlete. Um, really excited for him and what he can be. Add some depth initially behind a guy like DeForest Buckner. Kind of climb his uh, snap totals down a little bit because they've, they've kind of crept up there. That's that's kind of one of the things we forget about DeForest Buckner. He doesn't miss a lot of games, but he's playing a lot and seeing a lot of double teams, and he's getting up there in age a little bit. Nothing scary, but right, you want to have him available for as long as possible. So with uh, Odabare coming in, that could potentially help and and add the the depth of the defensive line while also hopefully not seeing a drop off in production. Matt, can you speak to the level of excitement just within the building? Obviously, we were in the media room for most of our coverage, but being someone who's employed by you know the franchise, being around the building, you know you JJ, what was it like to just have Anthony? I guess come in. I know he hopped off the jet and did a did an interview with us and did his press conference and then hopped right back on. But what was it just like to just see him in person, see the excitement on his face, his family, his brother, and people yeah. around him? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the guy's just he's huge. He's twenty years old <laughs> and he's six four, two forty four. Um I mean, I read the other day he's gonna be the first twenty year old quarterback drafted in the first round, um, or who was the first twenty year old quarterback drafted in round one since nineteen fifty. I mean, this just doesn't happen, but he's so put together physically he got a perfect 10 out of 10 on the on the RAS score, which is just unheard of, right? So it's not hyperbole to say that he is the most physically gifted and most athletic quarterback the combine and the NFL draft has ever seen. But he's just a really nice young man. I mean, he's uh, very, very polite. Um, he is engaging. He's thoughtful. He's very intelligent. Um, and he's also, I think, smart enough to surround himself with all the right people to help him get off to a good start in his NFL career, right? His mom's going to move up here with his brother. I think his agent is going to be close mm-hmm. by. And just kind of like his inner circle and his supporting cast, um, you know, people that are close to him are going to be physically around him to support him next year with the Colts. So that, to me, was impressive. So had a had about a five- to seven-minute interview with him on Friday. As you said, he was going through the gauntlet, getting off the plane and meeting with Jim Irsay and Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard and meeting with the media and doing photo shoots and all that stuff. And that's the stuff we forget, like whether he likes it or not. And I, I'm sure the Colts will be very, uh, you know, selective and deliberate with this. But, you know, he's going to be the face of the franchise. And, again, the Colts will have to be smart about how, you know, to, to what degree that happens for him. But there's a lot that's on his shoulders right now. And I think between Shane Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter, the rest of the offensive coaching staff, and that inner circle. It's about getting him as comfortable uh, as possible, as quick as possible, not putting too much on his plate that he can't handle, where he can't think and react and play fast. Uh, Hopefully all of those things come naturally to him, but uh, I can't imagine being a 20-year-old in his situation because that would just go awful based on how I remember myself as a 20-year-old. <laughs> he is the exact opposite of that in terms of being able to handle all this and, and be mature and, and just uh, have a really good perspective about things on how unique it is to be the fourth overall pick um, 
you know, only 20 years old in a in an offense or in a you know a team and a and a franchise that is desperate to get back to winning and getting back to the playoffs. I'll tell you what, Matt. God has a nice way of uh, humbling us because He knew if I was that size, oh goodness gracious, I'll be insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I, you do make a point. I want to ask you the—not really a serious question, but he, he's already physically—he looks like you know a grown man, but he's only twenty. So there's more, you know, growth there. There's a meal plan. There's dietitians that he'll have access to, weight rooms. Like, it's a full-time job now. So um, do you think that he could be, I don't know, just just literally the best-looking quarterback of all time? Because, I mean, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's kind of already in that discussion. I mean, I mean there's, there's not an ounce of, of anything that shouldn't be there on his body. Um, at 6'4", 244, like I said, he – He's running sub four fives and just like a gazelle out there. Uh, it just it, it shouldn't be possible at his you know height and weight, but uh, he just makes it look so easily and the arm strength and yeah, I think there is something to what you're saying though. You get him in a, a more sophisticated. I mean, even though he's coming from the SEC, even though he's coming from a great program like Florida, right? He's still going to have things in the NFL level that he just didn't have because of graduating from from uh, one level to the next, mm-hmm. right? And and the twenty four seven state of the art, you know, weightlifting facility and then just again state of the art coaches, uh, with Shane Steichen mm-hmm. and Jim Bob Cooter and Cam Turner. So I think I think I, I said before the draft he was gonna get better. Like had he gone back to college next year and just played another year at Florida, he would have gotten better and maybe to some degree, eradicated some of the draft issues that he had coming out of college. But I think he's just going to get better playing more football. He's only played 13 games as a starter. Regardless of the level, he's going to get better by just having more time on task. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the main objective this offseason for the Colts is get him a ton of reps, get him all kinds of action in the practices, joint practices if the Colts decide to go that route, preseason games and see where he's at because the only way he's truly going to get better and NFL ready is by playing. And Jim Irsay said that, Shane Steichen said that. The 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 caveat or the question is 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 where is he going to be week 1 versus where they're at with Gardner Minshew and you know how how uh you know competitive the Colts think they can be early on if it's not Anthony Richardson at quarterback. So we still got about three months to uh, answer that question. You know, it was it was who's going to be the coach, it's who's going to be the quarterback, and now the big question is when will the quarterback, in this case Anthony Richardson, play or start. I think you'll see him in his rookie year, but I just can't tell you when. Matt, thank you so much for making the time for us. Get some rest. All right, guys, be good. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. That's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Bets to close the show when we come back. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20mg injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, a little mix of the MLB as well as the NBA playoffs. But first with baseball, going to lay one and a half on the run line for the San Diego Padres as they host the Cincinnati Reds. In basketball, over 28 and a half points, total points for Jason Tatum tonight. Over 28 and a half total points for Kevin Durant as the Suns take on the Nuggets. That Jason Tatum bet, obviously, Sixers and Celtics. And still in Suns, Nuggets over 25 and a half for Nikola Jokic. And Nuggets on the money line, your plays of the day for a Monday. Should be a fun slate. It's been a fun afternoon. Good to hang with you in studio, James. Good to get your perspective. And I hope that uh, you're able to put up with myself and Eddie for the better part of three hours here. It was all right. A little painful <laughs> at times. But overall, man, I enjoyed it. Um, had a great time talking about Colts, Pacers, City of Indianapolis. Grateful to be here and grateful to uh, you know keep it going. Well, we've enjoyed your perspective on both beats, both the Pacers and the Colts, and always enjoy having you here in studio. Hopefully you're able to do it again for us real soon. That's our perspective on draft day, but it continues throughout the week, but also coming up next as the Ride with JM Fee continues to take you through all of our Colts post-draft coverage. Ride with JMV is next right here on The Fan.